welcome to the 67th episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today we are covering the fifth week of the fall 2018 anime season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and the podcast feed if you only want to hear about one or two specific shows, since we spoil literally everything. My name is Becom, and I spent all weekend perfecting my chocolate candy bar dance from Banana Fish. <laughs> Watashi wa amai candy bar. <laughs> Savor me with your mouth. Oh my God. Also with me are Cattleo. Yeah. Oh. That was epic. We need to save that as like a drop or something. <laughs> Fine. I can cut that out. Oh. I, so I went for equal parts cute and terrifying. <laughs> oh, so. it was definitely it was just as cringy as that scene from Banana okay, Fish. Okay, good. So I'm you, glad you, I nailed it. <laughs> I'm glad yep. I nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> These headphones almost came off. <laughs> uh, so because I'm a complete control freak, I decided that I would add a section to the beginning of our podcasts. It makes sense. I agree. <laughs> called, called the nonsense section. Uh, so I was going to ask, what nonsense did you guys get up to this week? Uh, right. I could start if you want, but if Go anybody else it. wants to jump in. I don't right, have so. anything to say. Okay, good so um, I went to Anime NYC, the convention, uh, this weekend with a lot of friends, including people from the AAA podcast, the Recovery of an Anime Junkie podcast, etc. Uh, and had a really good time. It was just so much fun seeing everybody. Uh, the con itself was pretty good, too. I went the year previous to this as well, uh, but I think they made some big improvements this time around. I did hear some complaints about like lines the first day, but we got there super late, so that didn't affect us at all. <laughs> but... Um what, just lines yeah, I, being long? Yeah, like apparently to get into the con before it opened, they had the doors closed and there had been like a snowstorm the night before and it was freezing cold and there were like hundreds of people waiting. So apparently that was not fun. Um, mm. But I think they fixed some things like the second and third day, hopefully to, you know, to fix that problem. Okay. Um, but yeah, I went, I went and saw a lot of good panels, but I think my favorite panel was the Studio Trigger panel, um, which had uh, Shigeto Koyama, who is like a character and mechanical designer for a lot of Trigger shows and like the art director for Kill a Kill, uh, Hiromi Wakabayashi, who's like a producer at Studio Trigger, and Mayumi Shintani, who is the voice actor behind Harahara Haruka from Fuli Kuli and No No from Kill a Kill. And they were just, like, all goofing around and, like, having fun, as you would expect of Studio Trigger people. Um, but, like, one of my favorite parts came when they started talking about the upcoming movie called Promare that's going to probably come out sometime next year. And, like, I know if you've ever looked at, like, the trailer for Promare or any of the poster art, like, you've seen that the main character is this guy named Gallo who looks almost exactly like Kamina from Gurren Lagann. <laughs> And so, like, they addressed this, like, complaint, quote-unquote, uh, by saying, like, well, we think he's, like, completely different, right? Like, it's like if you have Saber from Fate Stay Night, and then you have Saber Alts, or Saber Alter, <laughs> like, completely different characters, guys, right? And so, like, the crowd's, like, like hilariously laughing, and then, like... Later on in the presentation, they showed us like facial expressions from uh, from Gallo, and they're like, "Yeah, doesn't he just look like a like a Chad, <laughs> like just like a Chad dude?" And I was like, "It was so funny just to hear people from Studio Trigger using the word, the term Chad." And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> they really are tuned into the internet." So that was really fun. Um, 
And at that same panel, there was like a, a Hisone Tomasotan cosplayer that sat down like right next to me and my friend. I like gave her like a little fist bump. I was like, yeah, I see you. I see you out here. Why did you fun. cosplay an anime that had a terrible ending? Shame. <laughs> Shame. Maybe she could have really liked... What character was she? I, I bet she just really liked the character. So she just had the green flight suit on, so she could have been any of the four. And I was um, getting ready to say that would be a very easy cosplay because you just need the jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess. But she looked good. She was good. So she was really happy that somebody like actually recognized her cosplay because I guess nobody else had that entire day. So That's you what made you some get. Weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. Anyway, so that was my nonsense for the week. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else, but if you don't, we can move into the reviews. Well, I was going to say I did go to see the um, the magical Beast Two movie this weekend. Ooh, awesome. What did you think about that? I heard some people complaining. I okay, don't know. <laughs> so it's a lot heavier plot-wise than the first one. The first one, you, you can almost watch it without watching the Harry Potter series at all. And this one is much more like, you gotta know your shit if you want to watch this movie. This is for Harry Potter elites only. Like, Interesting. <laughs> so yeah. I, I saw a lot of people getting confused who like weren't as as hardcore of Harry Potter fans, which in my opinion is kind of a detriment to the movie because if you've got half your audience confused, like you probably should have put more explanation in there. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah. But I, I liked it. It was good. It, it fills in some holes. Um honestly I just wish it was a book also instead of just the movie. It kinda <laughs> irritates really? me. Yeah. It's like they think we're dumb. They won't give us our own book. Not like the English version. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, any other nonsense? I did I did remember I went and watched Instant Family because Tom Segura is in it and he's one of my favorite comedians. And mm-hmm. uh I really wasn't expecting too much from the movie. It's got like Mark Wahlberg in it also. And uh it was it was very funny, but it was actually very like touching and emotional at times, which really oh, surprised cool. me. Hmm. And at one point, I thought it was going to go down a really dark road, but it avoided it in a hilarious fashion. So, kudos on that. <laughs> I definitely recommend checking it out and even checking out Tom Segura, who's I find fucking hilarious. And I love his pod- podcast, uh, uh, your, At Your Mom's House, which is pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> darn good. At Your Mom's nice. House? Okay. That's an interesting <laughs> podcast name. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's the name. Let me double check. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's your mom's house. I knew that wasn't right. Okay. And his wife's on it too, Christina Pizitsky. And she's a comedian also. She's pretty funny. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But that's it. I guess we can move on to some anime now. All right. Let's yeah. talk about anime. So, starting with Sundays, we have Double Decker, Doug, and Kirill. Episode 5, Acroid Killer, or Acroid Killer. But, like, the whole first few minutes of the episode, I was like, who did Dan Aykroyd kill? <laughs> or who killed Dan Aykroyd? I was so confused. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, anyway, this episode starts out with the uh, criminal leader of the group, Esperanza. Uh, at least, I thought he was the leader at that time. Being led to his last meal in prison. Uh, the guards oh, are really? repeatedly... But he was he's, like, so, like, scared of everything. Yeah, but I th- I think I was kind of like you, where I was like, he's doing a big acting job or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this whole time I'm like, ah, there's something going on with this dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's hiding something. Yeah, but okay, well, yeah. Well, he was so yeah. weirdly creepy. Like, he's 
like yes. friend, nice, but in that way, like like a dog is nice, but you have a feeling it might bite your hand any second. <laughs> like exactly. that way, yeah. yeah. And like the further the episode went on, I was just like, this guy's too well fleshed out of a character not to matter. So I was, <laughs> I was suspicious. Um, so yeah, it starts with him being led to his last meal. The guards are telling him um, that this is all happening because he killed five people. And he sits down, he's given, like, these chocolate tarts he requested as his last meal. And he tells the guards he actually killed six people, not Ooh. five. And he'll tell them everything if he uh, calls up Doug from 7-0. So, meanwhile, Kirill is getting some, quote-unquote, food at Derek's bar, which is all canned, like, garbage food. <laughs> okay, isn't this, uh, like, spaghetti and beans and French fries. Okay, so <laughs> well, there, it's like a French three. Fries. It's yeah. a three-way tray, and it's always the same yeah. thing. It's spaghetti, beans, and French fries. What the <laughs> fuck? What what is that? Yeah. Do you dip Derek's the French fries in the other things? Is that what you do? I mean, I guess you could. Uh, <laughs> you could mix it up. Gross. Yeah, it does does not seem like a balanced breakfast or dinner, anything. Any meal. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Kirill was eating his french fries with a fork. God, Kirill's an idiot. <laughs> but whatever. And then uh, Doug drops by soon to bring him back to the office because of what is, what's going on. Uh, so this Esperanza guy in prison is actually named Zabel Franken. And so he killed five people because he got into an argument with a drug dealer and one of the people he murdered was a three-year-old, so screw this guy. Um, yeah. And Deanna and Kay start arguing over the rights of prisoners like Zabel. Uh, and then Travis makes a remark that his angels must always be beautiful and smiling. Uh, and the girls are pointing out, this is gender discrimination, Travis. And the whole <laughs> angels thing is kind of old-fashioned. Um, and Tra- Travis is like, well, I, uh, I mean, I can have Kirill join the angels. And then the girls all turn him down. They're like, no, <laughs> you don't want Kirill. <laughs> um, so it turns out that Doug was the one to catch Zabel back in the day. But it was on a smaller case. And Zabel confessed on his own to larger crimes afterwards. And that's why he's been in prison. And Doug and Kirill visit the prison to talk to him. And Zabel claims the person he killed was A, like call sign A, which is one of the 26 letters of the alphabet, which represent the leaders of Esperanza. Uh, And he did this to benefit B, supposedly, who he wanted to be promoted to the leader of the organization. And then B promised to break Zabel out of prison, and that's why Zabel hasn't talked until now on the eve of his execution, because he thought, like, oh, well, I'll just get out. I don't have to tell anybody anything. But B broke his promise, so he's still in here. Mm -hmm. Um so Doug needs more to go on, and Zabel tells him, I buried A's body under this mermaid statue in town. Uh, so Doug and Kiro go, they dig around, and they find this skeletal foot of a guy they believe to be Agapetus Croyd, or A. Croyd, like from the title. Um, and the foot has a metal plate in it, which matches with the fact that Croyd broke his ankle during his arrest and uh, charged the medical bill for like a special metal plate to the cops. So it all lines up. So they go back to the prison, and Zabel requests a plea bargain if they can find Croyd's body before his execution time. Uh, the only way to do this in time is to take Zabel to the site, so they have to take him out of prison. And so they do find Croyd's so body. Wouldn't oh, you sorry. be completely suspicious of why he just buried a foot in one location and the body oh, in another? I know. I was oh, like, yes. wait, this 
this doesn't make any sense. And I kept wa- waiting to see like some obscure character like limping and being like, oh, it's him. It's just his foot. They just cut off his foot or something. Yeah, like, that, that was my smart. thoughts well, during this part. Z, Z couldn't walk very well without a cane. So that's true. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. That. But yeah, so yeah, that I was kind of suspicious of that. Like it was all a little bit fishy, and him getting out of prison like kind of reminded me of like Usual Suspects. Like he had everything set up already, and yeah, mm-hmm. um, or not Usual Suspects. Sorry, like Seven or something. He felt like Kevin Spacey from Seven, like just leading Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman to the box, and then finding out what's in the box, kind of thing. Um, so they do find Croyd's body, and Zabel starts throwing up like death flags, which Kirill starts like yelling at him for. Like you keep saying things that are going to get you get us killed. Um, and so another member of Esperanza shows up, who we've been seeing glimpses of this entire episode, and it appears to be B or the Bamboo Man, as we've known him previously. And he just like slays a bunch of cops with all sorts of like weird powers that he has. Um, and then Doug points a gun at Zabel's head and makes him confess as much as possible before, like, this B gets to them um, and says, I'll give you over to B if you don't confess to me right now. And so he at least tells them where Esperanza's hideout is uh, before it's Kirill's turn to tell Doug, like, don't get swept up in the case, which is something Doug's been telling Kirill for a while now. Uh, yeah, so it's a little tit for tat there. And so Zabel gets taken to a police bus by a few cops while Doug and Kirill stay to fight the bamboo man. And the cops don't watch Zabel because they figure, well, he can't run with his cane and his bad leg. Turns out his leg's not so bad after all. Uh, he also had like a huge hidden blade inside of his walking stick and he yep. attacks the guards and escapes uh, from the bus. Um, so meanwhile, while the Bamboo Man is really strong, Doug isn't detecting any Anthem overdrive or anything from him. Uh, but he's still kicking their asses, and he tells them, like, think about whether you want to go to heaven or hell. And then Kirill tells them his policies, I don't think, feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> since they're about to die, Doug tells Kirill, that's probably not how that phrase really goes. Um, but... Right then, the clock strikes 6 p.m., and for some reason, the bamboo man, like, immediately pieces out, uh, for whatever reason. So, while Zabel is on the loose, the information he gave them about uh, Esperanza's hideout was real, and they actually find and arrest the leaders whose uh, codenames were P, Q, and T. And then later at Derek's bar, uh, Doug admits to Carol that his first partner died in an Esperanza case. So this is the one thing he takes notes on and lets himself get actually invested in. But he does, he stays separate from the job on everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, that explains why he was so gung-ho earlier. And so after the credits, it's finally revealed that Ricky, who is this prison guard who had been like bullying Zabel early in the episode, was actually working for him the whole entire time. He gave him this, like, crossword puzzle, which he had, like, A's body's location were the answers to the crossword puzzle that he had to solve. And B, I think, planted the body parts there because they say, like, he prepared the treasure hunt. And in the end, Zabel did not like that Ricky made him drop some chocolate tarts at one point. (laughs) Like, that was, like, the big mistake Ricky made. And so he kills Ricky. Like, burn him alive, literally. Yeah, yeah, not Uh, all the times he was, like, a raging asshole to him. Just the time he dropped the chocolate tarts. 
It's like, I can't believe you wasted food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not like weird. the baton across the back of your fingers doesn't hurt like a son of a bitch. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so finally, like, B calls Zabel, like, boss. So it turns out that Zabel is probably A, or at yeah. least yeah. is the boss at this point in time. So, yeah. yeah. And so I you were thinking that like the whole time, Leo, this that he whole was a? time, I'm like, he's going to turn out to be a, he's going to be a, and that's kind of where it went. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. It, I also suspected something like that was happening. Yeah, There's something, something was going on with the dude. It didn't really all make sense. So, but I yeah, think it that makes sense. I think it was actually trying to lead you there by when they brought up the broken leg and how he hobbled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was trying to make you think that on your own. So. That makes sense, yeah. How's that? Uh, how's that CG treating you, Bcom? You still like it? I still think it's okay. I was actually just thinking about the uh, the ED for some reason, which doesn't have a lot of CG, but it mm-hmm. just has like the girls like spinning in place. Uh, I love I the know, ED, like, dude. It's so good. I love the ED. It's such a good song. Um, it's like the visuals aren't like amazing or anything, but I just it, it, gets, la, like, la, it stands la, out. La. It's actually a catchy it, song. You're right. I just there was yeah. a couple scenes in this episode where I was like, "Oh, I bet Bcom didn't like that scene." Well, they <laughs> only use the the CG for action scenes or like things moving fast, like the cars. So like that's the only time it pops up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes in the clothing, but usually that's tied to the action scene, also or one getting ready to happen. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. typically it still hasn't really bothered me. Like it, I it, it does catch my eye occasionally when it happens, but it's pretty well melded into the rest of the hand drawn stuff for the most part. Uh, it is much better it. than most. I'll, I'll give it that. I just wondered. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Studio Sunrise, they know how to do some CG for sure. <laughs> um, uh, mm-hmm. Can Can anybody think of an anime where you think they don't do the CG right? <laughs> Sunrise? Oh, I don't know. Uh, they're probably Sunrise. Awesome. Oh, but like oh. anything recently, because like to me, it, I immediately thought of Planet With. I did not like I the CG in it. I immediately think of Handshakers. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the worst thing ever. That oh, was. just chains flying everywhere. <laughs> the the weird like texture of the chains. Oh God. Yeah. It haunts oh, okay. my nightmares. I didn't nightmares. know what you were talking about first, but as soon as you said chains, I went, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You knew. You remembered. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then, okay. like, I think like Bubuki Baranki. I think Planet With did it okay too, but I can understand people yep. being turned off by that. Yeah, the the Bubuki Baranki was a little weird, also. But yeah. I, I, and I believe Brains also compared that to Planet With, so that might be part of it. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right, time to move on. Uh, the Girl in Twilight is also my review back to back. Let's go. Ooh, uh, go. So episode five is called "The Hero in Me." Uh, so when Asuka sees the situation with the little kids running low on food and supplies, remember they're in like uh, Westworld, not Westworld, but I mean like they're kind <laughs> the of in Wild Westworld. West. The Wild West. <laughs> yeah. She, so she, she ends up coming around to the idea of robbing a bank with erotic you. And uh, <laughs> as I call her and cowgirl Nana and Chloe, I'm calling all the, the Western girls cowgirl. So mm, okay. anyway. Apparently, they'd had a mysterious benefactor up to this point, but they disappeared, and now they're left with uh, without enough funds to support the kids. Um, I don't know if we ever figure out who that benefactor was. No, but, it doesn't come back up. I think yeah. it's just like a random little backup yeah. fact. Yeah. 
So, uh, meanwhile, Mia, like, made her first arrest as the sheriff's deputy, and when she talks with the sheriff, he tells her, like, he doesn't, he didn't think he was, she was cut out for this job from appearances, and then, like, Mia reflects about how growing up, uh, people always looked at her and thought she was just a cute girl who was into cute things, but that always made the not cute part of her feel very uncomfortable, um, and when Asuka asked her if she wanted to become the hero to save the radio research club, that really inspired her and gave her something to latch onto, basically, with that mm-hmm. side of her personality. Um, the sheriff gets a notification on his cell phone that the bank is being robbed. And it's funny to me how, like, everything is in modern day, even when the world is shrouded in these old Western themes, because, like erotic you is leading the thieves away on a buggy but it's being dragged by a motorcycle and they all have cell phones and it's, yeah. it's so weird you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the uh legend galactic heroes where like all of the people are living as if it's like 18th or 19th century europe but then they have spaceships and fleets <laughs> like in space but they're they, they ride around on horses on the ground mm-hmm. and so it's nuts mm-hmm. um so cowgirl Asuka, who now believes that she is the wrong Nana and Chloe because the world's you told her so, catches up with the buggy. And the original Nana and Chloe help by spreading this like oil slick in front of the buggy by throwing an oil barrel down a hill. And that animation was so bad. <laughs> it looks so uh, bad. Like it was just awful, but whatever. It's well, fine. I was pissed off because like erotic you just leaves immediately. Like it didn't take her long to be like, oh, well, I'm out. Peace. Have fun with this situation. Oh, Sorry I got true. you into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, geez. You're the one who convinced yeah, her to do just, this. <laughs> she's just like an agent of chaos or something. Yeah, basically. I mean, she so, she was like hot to hit it like five minutes ago. Then she just abandons <laughs> her. Like, God. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, when the sheriff shows up, he arrests all seven girls for the crime of bank robbery. And mm-hmm. he just, like, just doesn't discriminate at all between like those who showed up later. It's just like, everybody who's here, you're bank robbers. You're getting sentenced. Um and so then they go to the court. Uh, and and we- I want to say, why is not everybody <laughs> fucking freaking out? Because there's two of everybody. Yeah, like, they don't seem very perplexed by the fact that, like, half of these girls like t- look like twins of the others. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I know twins assist. Uh, uh, twins exist. But uh, four of that them all working twins? together on a crime? That's a... Uh, I mean, did they go to a twin convention to recruit or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, Absolutely. are there twin? Com- I'm sure there are. Oh, there there uh, better be twin conventions. Oh, we need to look. Uh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what if there's like what if there's like twin conventions, but then they have like entirely separate triplet and quadruplet conventions that like exclude everybody else? <laughs> That'd be awful. That'd be crazy to go to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so, so there there is one every year. In Twinsburg, oh, really? Ohio, about <laughs> oh, nice, <laughs> about two thousand sets of twins. Oh God! Oh wow, that must be really interesting. <laughs> like that's probably a site. That's probably oh, something man. else. <laughs> Every time oh. you make a friend there, you make at least two friends. So because <laughs> can't tell them apart. So <laughs> so yep. let's see. Um. 
So, yeah, when the sheriff shows up, yeah, he arrests all the girls. They go to court. Uh, we just see their sentencing, basically. They skip past the part where they don't recognize that they're twins. And anyway, they get their sentence of, like, 50 years of hard labor, which then goes up by, like, 20 or 30 years because they start complaining to the judge. And the judge keeps adding on, like, longer terms. It, it's um, mainly Asuka. <laughs> yeah, it's mainly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're also told that the two groups of girls will duel each other because, you know, this is dual world and the ones who win will be innocent. So Hmm. the sheriff and judge then like look at each other and smile like knowingly as she leaves the courtroom. So I'm like, okay, they set this up somehow. Um, And so Mia tries to reason with the sheriff, but it's pretty clear he's not budging on any of this. And before she goes too far saying anything, Twilight Asuka shows up and tells her, like, keep a low profile because I have a chance to take out this world's clutter if you don't screw things up for me. So they all go to the Colosseum where the duels take place. And the original Asuka and Yu from the original world are supposed to face off against Nana and Chloe. But when the round starts, like, they refuse to shoot each other, as any good friends would. Uh, And then... (laughs) Well, actually, I say that, but Cat and Leo, if we were in an arena, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, I heard Leo laugh, so I had to ask the question. And yeah, we got transported into the world, <laughs> and we each had a gun, and they said, like, well, like, you have to shoot the others if you want to survive. Uh, I mean, you guys we all know. Throw down your weapons? We all know the truth of that. Let's all, like, not pretend. See, I, feel like, I feel like I would instantly die in this situation because I'm like a good person. <laughs> oh, see, I just feel like, well, it is what it is, and I just like shoot you both, and then I'd be like, sorry about exactly. that. Exactly, so, definitely surviving that situation. So this yeah. is funny. So on a different podcast, they brought up, you know, they were like three friends. Like if they all got put onto like an island and they all had to kill one for the other two to survive, how would it go down? And I thought about us, and I'm mm-hmm. like, it actually would come down to cat depending on which one she would rather keep. <laughs> she's got to no. get herself some if she's stuck on a fucking island. So oh. she's going to kill the uglier <laughs> <God>. one. <laughs> that's exactly like, what, which one is uglier? Hmm. Exactly. Like that's exactly how it would go down. I'm like hiding in a tree, like debating the mayor. I'm like, hmm, which one? <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. I'm I'm we should just turn now. to each other, give each other a handshake and go, nice knowing you. Let's yeah. see who lives. Like 50-50 shot. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, uh, over the loudspeakers, Twilight Asuka plays a tape of the judge's conversation with the sheriff before the trial where they make it clear they totally colluded with each other to make this event happen so the judge could bump up her popularity ratings uh, by having, like, pretty girls fight to the death, you know. So now, like, the whole crowd, all the people from the town and everything, they all have lost faith in the judge. And then it turns out the judge is a clutter. Uh, and because the people have lost faith in her, she also starts to lose her power. And so Twilight Asuka transforms and then attacks. Um, did, the only did you problem. Guys feel, oh, sorry. Did you guys feel hmm? like the plot here with the sheriff and Silver, like, and, Sil- and the other, like, the judge was a little simplistic? <laughs> because I, I thought it was going to be much more complicated because like didn't the sheriff at one point like act all suspicious of the judge and it was like investigating her why would he investigate her if they were in on it together I was really confused I think he was just acting like they didn't get along so people wouldn't become suspicious 
Maybe. Like, I yeah, think maybe he was just covering the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, just a little disappointed. I was expecting something like more complex. <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like the show could go much further with confusing us, <laughs> like with the amount yeah. of like double characters that it has and stuff. Like so far, it's kept things pretty simple, but I don't know if it's going to stay that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, the only problem for Twilight Asuka when she attacks the the judge is that the sheriff also uh, turns out to be a clutter. Uh, so like the judge transforms and fights with like this huge hammer and the hammer like opens up and has like a hidden like chain gun inside of it. It's pretty freaking awesome. Actually. I kind of want that weapon in like a video game. <laughs> um, what that in destiny, Leo, that's like the next step for destiny, like hammer machine guns. Oh God. I just got the, uh, uh Cerberus plus one, which is the uh, exotic mm-hmm. with the, uh, four barrels on it. Yeah. I like that gun. It's, it's good. meh. It's meh. <laughs> it's all right. Well, maybe they nerfed it. I don't know. But yeah. Um, so uh, when twi- oh yeah, and the, like the uh, the sheriff guy is like a gunslinger basically when he transforms. Uh, mm-hmm. So like when Twilight Asuka's on the ropes. Cat, oh, what? Cat's not getting any of these. <laughs> I'm just like okay. oh gunslinger. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. gunslinger is like a Western term. It's not just a Destiny term. <laughs> uh. um, when so when Asuka's on the ropes, like Mia, like basically finds her inner strength, and she uses Nana's astral module, you know, like the tape player, to mm-hmm. transform herself into her equalizer form, Mia which Extreme, the, which is the most badass one ever. They did a really good job <laughs> on that. Holy shit! It looks good. It looked mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. I'm actually now very excited to see all of the girls' uh, equalizer forms because I'm sure they're going to be pretty cool. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite things about the show so far is just like the fun like costume design, character design for those transformations. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll agree. So yeah, she's got like a Western outfit and she's like dual wielding pistols and stuff. Uh, and so the, when the judge is defeated, she says that if they had just made it a little further, the world would have been sucked into Twilight. Uh, so that was their goal, obviously. Uh, and the sheriff asked Mia how she suddenly got so strong. And she tells the sheriff that she's not strong, but that the sheriff's, the sheriff's strength was never real to begin with as like a clutter like he was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like given to him by that king of twilight, basically. Uh, and then in the end, Western Nana and Chloe get lots of donations from the public to support their orphanage. And are let off the hook for robbing the bank, which is pretty generous of the bank, to be honest. <laughs> They're just like, oh, we get it. You were robbing us for kids. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and so after the credits, Twilight Asuka is shown confronting Erotic You about giving the girls the frequencies and asks her, like, what fragment are you from? Uh, but Erotic You just asks all, like, villainy and just says nothing. It's like a cliffhanger. There's like dun, a dun, whole dun. scene between the different Twilight version, like the different cowgirl versions of all of them in the cabin at mm-hmm. the end. And I found it very confusing because I couldn't tell what version they were for a second. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, God damn it, this fucking show. <laughs> like, yeah, I think if you look out the window, you see all the uh, regular uh Well, you, you figure it out then. The but like before yeah. then, you don't. Like They need like some sort of characteristic that makes it obvious there's something <laughs> yeah when they had like the cowgirl clothes on that made it easier but afterwards yeah. it's a little harder yeah yeah all right uh i would say more about the show but i am so fucking excited to talk about golden Kamui. Oh. 
that we yeah. need to get into that. <laughs> All right. Okay, so this this week on Golden Kamui, da na na, episode, episode 17. seventeen. So they like we ended with the the fake warden and like the bodyguard who's really Sugimoto, and they use Sugimoto's name like they say he's Sugimoto. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. kind of cracked me up because I'm like, do you think that maybe they might figure it out? Yeah, that was like, a little bold. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then they, they use like the face mask and they say that a criminal bit off his face. <laughs> and that's why the bodyguard is like that. And I'm like, how would you literally bite off all of someone's face? Like, I, I could get like they bit off parts of your face, but like. <laughs> I don't know. Look, <laughs> Cat, the thing with faces is once you stop, you have, once, God damn it, I messed it up. <laughs> oh! Once you start, you can't stop. Well, once you pop, you just can't stop. It's like Pringles. Their, their finger looking good. <laughs> good yeah. to the last all piece. Right. Uh. I think we got all of the memes in there. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. So yeah, so the, the, so the, the imposter, the warden, who is actually that imposter guy, says that he wants Shiraisi sent back to, is it Abarashiri prison? Because he's uh, like, Abashiri. you guys, Abashiri? Because yeah. he claims, <laughs> like, that this prison illegally transported, like, him from the other prison while he was gone, and then he almost escaped, and, like, he's going to get them in big trouble, so he, they better give that fucker back, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the meanwhile, the people at the prison are just frantically contacting Surumi about this, while the warden offers the like the fake warden offers the people from this prison a bunch of fake money and a plate used to make the money and he's like listen i got this super special criminal that i'll trade you for shiraishi <laughs> and he <laughs> he talks about how this special criminal who i'm assuming doesn't actually exist um like knows how to make counterfeit money really well and how like during a war if you spread fake money around this can cause economic chaos in your enemy and like be really helpful and so like the Japanese government is going to want this criminal in the future and so if you have him it's going to help you in your career I thought he was just offering the plate because the plate would allow them to make the money I don't remember anything about a special criminal no, that's that's definitely they're gonna trade the criminal for Shiraishi. Mm-hmm. They're okay. they're just they just yep. brought the plate because I mean obviously they don't actually have a criminal to trade because it d- doesn't exist. Yeah, because the criminal I think would make more plates for them, so they, he would make new plates for like new currency that they want to use this mm-hmm. uh, in a, yeah. some country they want to destabilize. Yeah, l- like if if Japan went to war with China, then like he would. Like in this scenario, he would make fake Chinese money that they could spread and cause right. economic chaos in China. Um, I think that that was just yeah, but yeah. So then, then he kind of like does a jab at the uh, person in charge at this prison, whose name is um, Lieut- Lieutenant Col- Colonel Yodogawa, where Colonel, he's like Colonel, Colonel? <laughs> um, yeah. where he's like, well, but you're still a lieutenant colonel. And you're the only one who didn't get promoted. And like with this fake prison, like with this prisoner, I'm going to trade you. Maybe you would get promoted and then you wouldn't have to feel embarrassed all the time. And like, Mm -hmm. he's all upset and he's like, but I see your point. (laughs) 
Um, meanwhile, Surumi is desperately trying to prevent anyone even seeing Shiraisi, like much less them trading like, him. He's like chewing on the phone receiver at the same Pretty time. Pretty much. He is like flipping his shit over this phone. He's like yelling at his uh, messenger over there whose name is uh, like Koito. He's like, get get in there. Prevent this however you can. Do what you got to do. Go, go. Um, <laughs> so Shiraishi gets like led into the room because they're interested in this trade. Um, and he immediately recognizes like who it is in the room and what's going on. And I'm like, how would he know this? He's not smart. He's stupid. He wouldn't <laughs> understand that. I guess Do he's you, like street smart. I don't know. Oh, uh, no, he's not. You know he's not. He's a dumbass. But yeah, anyway, you know. he he somehow figures it out. Surumi's so messenger, who like I said, his name is Koito, enters the room, and um, Yodogawa's like, "Dude, get out! I'm making this super secret deal. Like, you're not needed here." And Koito's like, "No, I'm not gonna get out. I'm gonna." interrupt this however I can and he starts speaking this dialect called Satsuma which he mm-hmm. claims that the real the real warden whose name is Indo Indo would know because like he speaks it fluently and he means to sort of expose him as a fraud like that he's not really Indo but somehow the imposter guy like also knows Satsuma and so they're talking like they start talking back and forth and for a while it's like oh good we're safe like we're gonna get out of here <laughs> and then, and then, like Koito makes some comment about like, does he still like to drink? And he agrees, like, oh, but not as much as I used to. And Koito just like pulls out his gun and shoots like both the imposter and Sugimoto immediately. And I'm like, what the fuck? And apparently, it's because <laughs> Surumi said that Indo couldn't drink at all. And I'm like, okay, that is a very small piece of information <laughs> that you just bet. Yeah. A whole fucking lot on. <laughs> so I still love that part though, because it, it makes the world more dangerous, right? Like, because they introduced this con artist, like mm-hmm. basically one episode, maybe two episodes ago. Um, it was right at the end of the last episode, I believe. Right, yeah, and he's like a pretty interesting character. You're like, oh, this is a good guy to add to the group, and then like at the drop of a hat, boom, he's shot right through the head. He's dead. And of course, Sugimoto, who is friggin' immortal, he's also like ridiculously lucky. He only gets hit in the shoulder, so he yeah. survives. Yeah. But we'll man, see. But like, I, I kind of felt like it was a weakness because they introduced him too quickly and then killed him off too quickly. Yeah, um, I was kind of sad to see him go because he. Yeah. He's out, that, that whole scene was fucking cool. Yeah, it was pretty it was. intense. <laughs> <laughs> the scene was great. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So anyway. Um, Kodogawa, Yodogawa gets pissed off that Shiraishi is apparently trying to escape again because, like, the cat's out of the bag now. So he's like, I'm going to kill you, Shiraishi. Be done with all this bullshit. And, like, Koito gets in the way between um, Yodogawa and Shiraishi because Tsurumi wants Shiraishi alive. And uh, Sugimoto uses this distraction to just grab Shiraishi and jump out the window. And, like, he, he does that thing again where as he's about to jump out the window, he's like, I am immortal Sugimoto! And then he jumps out the window. <laughs> and I'm like, why you always got to yell it? We know! <laughs> we know what your name is! Know. Gotta let him know. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> um, but, so they're running off. Like, they got out, out the window. They landed. They're running through the woods. 
somehow amazingly they come across this hot air balloon prototype just randomly just being tested as it you was do brought up it was brought up like an episode ago i think but like so come on it, what are the odds <laughs> there's a hot they're, air balloon they're, being they're on the military base where else escape, are they going to be testing this at the very moment that they escape <laughs> so conveniently <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't, her- I don't care how convenient it was because it was friggin' hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so they it. steal it. Yeah, so they steal it. They jump on. They're like, we're getting out of this joint. And the soldiers are like, oh shit, they're getting away. And they like all grab onto the bottom of it like comical circus people. And they're like trying to weigh it down with their bodies. And while they're doing that, Koito jumps onto the balloon right before it finally takes off and all the other guards, like, you know, let go and in defeat. And I'm like, this but it was so, so funny because, like, Koito, like, he he climbs up like a pyramid of guys yeah. and then he jumps and he just doesn't barely make it. And then he does like a breaststroke, like really fast, like five times in midair. <laughs> and somehow that allows him to catch on to it. I was like, OK, that's great. <laughs> That was funny, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so now, of course, Koito and Sugimoto and all of them are all in this balloon. Um, Sugimoto and Koito start fighting. Shiraishi comes up from behind and pushes him off the balloon. <laughs> and apparently he, like, tied, a, a like, a rope on himself, like a bungee cord or something. And so he's just <laughs> hanging from the balloon. And then Asirpa is, like, in the forest, and she sees him just hanging off the balloon and jumps onto the rope with Shiraishi. And then they slam into a bunch of trees. <laughs> like, hardcore. Okay, but, like, Asirpa was on the ground, like, th- like seconds before this. And then they just emerge from the trees, and, like, he's upside down. She's, like, on top of, like, him, like behind him, like, and her head is poking out from in between his legs. It's so ridiculous. It, it is awkward <laughs> and weird. Like, I'm like, what? How did she manage this? Yeah, it's a little odd. Oh my god. Special um, high new powers. Yeah, definitely. That must be what it is. But yes, yeah, so like they get him back on the balloon. Shiraishi learns that Sugimoto was like the one who was like, no dudes. I, I know he's a pain in the ass, but we should probably go get him. And he's all he's all thankful for all of like two seconds. And then Sugimoto confronts Shiraishi like, you betrayed us. And Shiraishi starts getting like all those stress flashbacks. Of, like, what's going to happen to him. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, like, getting ready to jump off the balloon. But then Sugimoto reveals that, like, the copy of Hainmi's tattoos that Shiraishi gave to Ushiyama was, like, a fake. Because he saw them and he he realized it was a fake. Um, So, like, oh, you must have not really betrayed us after all. But, like, I don't think... I think Shiraishi meant to. I think maybe the fake is one of Surumi's fakes or something. Like is that uh, how Surumi's you... fakes weren't made until way after that? Well, but maybe they got swapped or something. Because like I do think that Shiraishi totally meant to betray them. I don't think that he has the smarts to have somehow made a fake tattoo. Well, he was thing. pressured by uh, Hijikata to do what he did. Like he didn't really want to. So I could totally see him faking them. Well, okay, I, I, I know I that he was pressured. Yeah. I know yeah. he was pressured, but like I don't think he's smart enough to know how to fake a tattoo and give him a fake one if that makes sense you have to go back and trace like which skin that was and how they got it to figure out like how it was a fake i don't know yeah or how it got yeah. swapped out there's something going on with that i don't know 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, so at this point, the hot air balloon starts to sag, <laughs> and, and they're forced <laughs> to get off it. And they're like, well, we're going to have to get off of this mountain. And as they're getting down to the mountain, Asirpa's like, this mountain is inhabited by sex demons, and they're all going to get us. <laughs> and I'm like, what? But they have to get off anyway, so they get off at, at Sex Demon Mountain, which, you know, is my kind of mountain. But <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Kat's going to like resort here at some point. Like, yeah. like, she's searching the internet right now, like, does this still exist? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they get there, Asirpa finds some yarrow and like rubs it all over Sugimoto's gunshot wounds. Um, and she learns that the imposter was killed, and she's kind of sad. Um, the guards are still in pursuit of them and they look back and like see them in the distance and they realize they've got to cross this big old mountain in order to get away. And okay, it's called like the Dai Suzan mountain. And I'm just thinking in my mm. head, like a mountain is not something you can casually cross in like yeah. a night. <laughs> yeah, it's just exactly. not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they start trying to plan for this. It gets really cold, and they're going to need a place to hide so they don't get found or get hypothermia. Because, like, if they stay out there, they're going to die. So it's getting real dark. They shoot a couple deer, and they're going to hide in them for warmth. But then suddenly, Shiraishi starts acting, like, fucking crazy and, like, takes <laughs> all his clothes off. And he's like, woo! And, like, runs off. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. I think Shiraishi is just probably got hypothermia or something. And Asirpa's yeah, like, he is yeah. possessed by a sex demon. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's just what people do when they start going insane from <laughs> from be- being like <laughs> negative 30 degrees out or something. I, um, do, I do know in hypothermia, uh, you they usually end up finding people who get lost outside naked because during, uh, at some point, the hypothermia, you think you're super hot, so people take off their clothes when really they're just freezing and their fucking body doesn't know what the hell's going on. Oh, wow. Well, so, that, fits, that fits exactly. Damn. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because there's been, there's been cases of um, groups of people who go missing and they find all their clothes and people are like, oh, did they get, like, did they get, like, yeah. uh, looted? It's, did someone find them and kill them all? It's a side effect of hypothermia. But, but really, then yeah. later they find out it's just because they all had hypothermia. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so Asirpa at this point makes one of the classic horror movie blunders and she goes off to find (laughs) Shiraishi, who then comes back on his own. But now Asirpa is stuck out there and then Sugimoto goes after her. See, this is a cycle. This always happens. When will people (laughs) learn if people go off on their own, you leave them to die with their own fault. (laughs) They went off. They're on their own now. That's how you but do it. What if it. you really, really care about them, Kat? If, it, if they're like your wife or something, then that's that's acceptable. You can go off and try and find her and die with her or whatever. But, like, otherwise, you got to just let that bitch go. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, so Sugimoto goes after Kat's her. Kat's not saving anybody, guys, no. if that wasn't clear. You got to put the <laughs> oxygen mask on yourself first. Then you can go for someone else. <laughs> anyway, Asirpa, okay. So at this point, Sugimoto goes off to find Asirpa. He finds her, but she's like cold and she's probably going to die. So he gets over his fear of killing deer and kills a cu- one of them before they both die of hypothermia. 
and they both get inside, and I'm like, ew. <laughs> no Star one should Wars. crawl inside yeah, Star of here. Like, exactly. It's Han Solo no. cutting open that tauntaun. I oh. thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> it's so gross. But yeah, so they get in, and there's like this weirdly touching scene where they're like cuddled. And it's touching if you don't think about the fact that they're in a fucking deer. But yeah. they are. Um, so Asirfa asks if the imposter suffered when he died. And Sugimoto says that because he was a bad man, he had less of a heart and felt less when he died. And Asirfa gets really angry at this. But then Sugimoto kind of whispers to himself, like, that's what I tell myself. Because I tried to tell myself that enemies weren't like like us when I was on the battlefield and they didn't suffer when they died. Because if you don't destroy yourself and become someone else, you won't be able to fight in a war. And um, yeah. it's kind of an interesting commentary. And it's probably very accurate. Yeah. Um, and Asirpa kind of asks, like, well, is anyone ever, like, everyone's able to go back to who they were, like, later when they get back? And Sugimoto says, some are, but some kind of never give, go back to normal. And there's, like, a flash of Surumi on the screen, kind of, like, showing he's like that. Um, yeah, I think Ogata too. Uh, a couple of the others who, like the guy who's got like no ears and stuff, like he's, he describes oh, yeah. them of like leaving their hearts on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Probably some parts of their mind as well, honestly. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they go into apparently um, Asirpa eats all the liver of the deer while they're in there because it's like her favorite food. Yeah. And we learned that Sugimoto's favorite food is um, is dried persimmons. Mm-hmm. And Asirpa asks if Sugimoto will go back to who he was if he eats dried persimmons. And then she asks if she can go back to his hometown once this is over and eat them with him. Um, which is very touching and interesting. And it, it's kind of like a very soft ending to this action-packed episode. Yeah, and like so. when she asks him that question, it's like, like if, eat, will, if you, when you eat them again, will you go back to who you are? Like he tears up. Because he mm-hmm. knows the answer to that question is no. Like, the yeah. person who he was before the war is not the same anymore. It's exactly. not like he's completely like the, the gone, person's gone, but he's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I was actually laughing at the end when it had Shirashi up, up inside the deer, but his head sticking out of its butt. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine him like, just having woken up and being like, why am I sticking out of a deer's ass? I just, like, I just fucking grinned and shook my head, and I'm like, oh, man, classic Shirashi. <laughs> yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, like, leave it to Golden Kamui to have, like, one of the most poignant, like, character moments of this season be when Serpa and Sugimoto are, like, cuddling inside a deer. <laughs> like, I know. Right? It's just so ridiculous. I kept getting uh, really into the touching moment, and then I'd be like, but they're in a deer. They're in a deer. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I feel like that encapsulates what's great about Golden Kamui as a whole. Like, it can get to these really goofy places. Sometimes it gets too goofy for me, but then it still is very capable of having these touching moments with these great characters. Um, and it's when they find that balance in episodes like this one that it just really gets me pumped to watch more of the series. So I, I thought this was one of their best episodes in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked it. Hmm. Okay, then. Nah, I just, <laughs> I, the crazier it gets, the more I like the episodes. 
<laughs> I like that. I need that balance. I need I need that character drama and like this really really delivered, um, giving us like you know Sugimoto's thoughts on his like PTSD from the war and like who he is now and how things have changed. It was it was great. It was great. Yeah, it brought me back to the uh, scene an episode or two ago with Surumi and the weapons maker, and they're mm-hmm. just saying the flat out fucking craziest shit ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep they lost mm-hmm. some part of themselves on the battlefield like sugimoto would say uh, yep. yeah. <laughs> all right leo uh let's move no. on to your personal battlefield <laughs> oh run with the wind <laughs> i really just want to do a synopsis of and they all wind the end you know what leo think- you, but you're you a professional and you wrote a real synopsis. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, so I wrote a real one. Um, I seriously started this episode and I had no idea who that was at the job fair. And then, well, like, I mean, like, there are a lot of characters, and that that guy King has not had that much to do up yeah, till once now. Once I figured out who so, he yeah. was, I was like, oh, he hasn't really even had a lot of screen time. So okay, no wonder I didn't know him. But anyways, he's at a right. he's at a job fair trying to get a job and whatnot and stuff and. He comes back home and the boys be a drinking and talking about that morning's <laughs> events with that guy being a dick and Prince's awesome speech. <laughs> yeah. So they're all sauced up and like Shindo like stands up and he tells the group he's completely committed to running now and he's at least going to beat that douche Kosuke from that morning. <laughs> like it just keeps coming back. Uh, and then like Musa is also moved to run and Yuki Hiro is like still against it even though he's running anyways. Uh, Haiji also reveals his plans for them to participate in track meets so everybody can like improve their times and get used to competing and all that. And then like later that night, after everybody's gone to bed, except for Haiji and Kakaru, and Kakaru uh, thinks they're going to be slaughtered at the first meet because they're amateurs and it won't help them anyway. He says he thinks they'll get hurt. Mm-hmm. I think I think he means like spiritually and like mentally it's going to hurt them, not mm-hmm. actually physically. Uh, mm-hmm. And God damn it. And then Heidi like just spouts some inspirational line about the ones not chosen or something about they want the run or get the run. I don't know. I just started rolling my eyes. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I, I can understand that because like I also didn't really feel that point he was trying to make, like where he's like, Is it only the chosen people who get to run? And it's like, well, actually kind of. <laughs> like I mean it's uh. like a mixture of hard work and then like talents, you know. But sometimes, like when it's at the highest level, it is the talented people who also work the hardest who get to be the ones who run. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know Heidi doesn't want to believe that, but that's how it works a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy, and I couldn't make much sense of it, anyways. Mm-hmm. But in the morning, Haji, Haji informs them that they will now be running in the evenings, also. Jeez. And this made me think of cross country back in high school. Ugh. Oh, did you have to run in the morning and after, like, school and stuff? I did a couple times, but that was only the varsity varsity mm-hmm. uh, team ran in the oh, mornings. A lot of the Yikes. hardcore teams do that. Like, uh, swimming, mm-hmm. when I was in swimming, I used to do that. We'd have practice in the morning and at night, and you'd just be like, ah! <laughs> oh, man. That's so yeah. much work, because, like, to balance that with the rest of your schoolwork and stuff, is like, it's so hard. Well, and yeah. that's what I kind of think Haiji or the King was feeling here is like he he has a lot of pressure on him right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He feels like he his number one 
priority rightly should be trying to find a job when he gets out of college. Yeah, Because that's like that yeah. the season for like graduating seniors is this is the season for them to find their job when they graduate. And um, jo- joining a team like this where you are so – it's so intense, it's almost like you become – like your identity becomes part of the team. Like you are not you anymore. Everything becomes about the team. And he doesn't feel like it's fair for them to ask that of him right now when he's at this stage in his life. And so you see him getting more and more isolated from the rest of the group. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, in the end of the day, like if they were to go far in this competition, it would look great on his resume, but he has no way of like seeing that from where they are right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There, yeah, there is that aspect mm-hmm. that would look good. Uh, so of course, Yukiharu is against, you know, running in the evenings also. And then afterwards, Akihiro, Ak- uh, Akihiro, hero, whatever. And Yukihiro, almost the same freaking name. <laughs> <laughs> Get some one on one, and like Akihira tells him, he isn't doing it for Hod Haiji. He's doing it for like his own health, and he's also like stopped smoking. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of he's getting like that that runner's bug. He's getting addicted to it <laughs> for sure. So I believe it's that evening, and then Musa gets some like new kicks, and the crew meets up and heads to like the to track okay. field. But Musa gets yep. like some pink shoes like have you noticed that everything that musa gets is pink it's kind of (laughs) cute it is pretty cute he's got yeah they matched his uh his like track pants too that had like a pink line up the side of him for sure exactly it's got it's adorable i love it color coordinated (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's uh there's also some joke where they tied a dog a good 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 boy a doggo to prince and like they, they they make some joke like Prince is like, are we like one in the same or something like that? Oh, I love that joke. God. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, it was it's no, like, which okay, of us it, do you think it, is more free? Oh, I know. <laughs> and, and like, if you actually think about it, it becomes like a serious psychological question. We're like, is the dog more free because it gets to live its life, like relaxing and doing whatever it wants? Or are you yeah. a person who has to work and be chained to your desk all day more free? Oh, oh yeah. And Prince changed his shirt. Also, it now says feeble on it, which yes. is very accurate. <laughs> I bet all of you uh, listening to this at your jobs just stopped mid-type and thought about that for a second. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Vcom, I see, I see your response to what I said here, but I still oh, don't yeah. get it. So, oh, yeah, that's fine. Haiji then says something very, very dumb. He says, if you just start running, you're likely to hurt yourself. And I'm like, yes, you have to take it easy in the beginning. And then he goes, and then he says, they will warm up by running for an hour. And I'm like, what? No, you're going to fuck all these people up. They've only been running a little bit in the mornings. There's no way they can do this. I had to physically get up out of my chair and like just do a lap around the house to make sure I was processing the whole thing right. (laughs) Because that is some shit ass logic. You know, I kind of agree with you because he's and that wasn't even like their whole workout. It's like, oh, that's our pre practice. He's like, we're gonna run yeah. for an hour. He's and that's after running that morning, so I'm much. like, these guys are not gonna be able to walk tomorrow and you're gonna be lucky if not half of them strain to something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I it kind got of even agree. more ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It got even more ridiculous for me later when they got home and some of them like went out running again. And I was like, No, guys, okay. 
that's not how this works. Like, well, and then, you no. can't just keep continuously <laughs> you, running. You, you have will get to injured. Have a recovery period. Well, and then it's Haiji just, just doesn't say as anything as training because they even look yeah. at him and are like, "Is that okay?" And he doesn't say. And I'm like, "You're supposed to be their coach and like be telling them what to do. Like, you should be telling them not to overwork." But he doesn't. I don't know. I guess he just thinks they're so close to this qualifier that like. I guess he's just going to let them do whatever they want to do. But it's, yeah, in in reality, this would be really bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, because then you kind of find out throughout this episode that Haiji's, I think some of Haiji's motivation for doing this whole thing is that he wants professional sports to be something that normal people can aspire to do. Like, I think he, he doesn't like the seriousness and the elitism that a lot of professional sports have. And right. I think that's kind of what he's going for here is that, like, that's the reason why he picked normal people is he wants to prove that, like, normal people can have fun doing this and not be so elitist and, like, serious and have fun and, and still win and still get and still accomplish stuff. But, like... I don't agree. I think it's way more personal. Because of his injury, I would say his running career got stopped for quite a bit of time there and he missed out on all of it. And now this is how he's... This is the best he can do to get back into it again and actually maybe have one last hurrah at the end. I mean, there's that like, too, but hmm. I also think he's sort of saying like the, he doesn't like the elitism in sports and like, this is his way of breaking it down in some way. Um, and okay. so I thought it yeah, was interesting that he, yeah. he's trying to like, and give them this really intensive training workout that kind of contradicts that. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I just think, yeah, he's just being very selfish really, even though he's like, acting like such a huge big team player it's all self-motivated so they end up doing their practice and akihiro ends up ends up telling yukihiro that even though he is complaining he's still practicing of his own accord oh and then like akihiro's reason for running is for that sweet sweet runner's high bro (laughs) like it makes him feel good i'm like there's a reason the term runner's high is is a term (laughs) it's a thing (laughs) <laughs> I think it, I think it goes slightly beyond runner's high, though. I definitely agree with you. That's definitely part of it. He's like, I well, feel yeah. perfectly clean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, everything mm-hmm. you said is part of that runner's high. You know, you just feel yeah. that kind of euphoria. You feel really good. You forget about that stupid thing at work that's been bothering you for the past three weeks and shit like that. So yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. that's all it is. That's what he's got. So I was like, okay, that's believable. Um. But back at the house, uh, Shindo decides he is going to go for another jog because he's really getting into this. We've already said this is not a good idea. Uh, uh, the twins decide to go too, and so does Musa. Uh, King, who is not getting any of the jobs he's applied for, kind of takes it out on the Kakaru because he's hearing their enjoyment about running, and it's just basically pissing him off. It's fucking driving him insane. You can't be one miserable person and everybody around you be happy. It'll drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so at dinner, Haiji tells everybody that they can't work anymore because they were practicing all the time. And to get some actual running clothes and shoes, King finally is like, fuck it. And he just like gets up and he tells them off and just leaves out of the room. He's like that he has his own life to live. And yeah, leaves it at that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I liked some, like, individual gags during this episode. Like, I liked when Shindo's drunken speech, which wasn't even very good drunken speech, like, drives Musa to tears, and he's like, okay, I'll run now. Um, the, the point being, they're all drunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
was also funny to me, like right when the episodes o- opens, it's at the Tokyo Big Sight Exhibition Center, which is always associated with Comiket whenever it shows up in anime. So I was like, oh, this show actually acknowledged that like other events happen besides Comiket at this location because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, King is attending a jobs fair there. So. I was like, oh, wow, it's actually getting used for something else. But for a second, I was like, oh, is this like Prince's Manga Club is going to be at Comiket or something? I was kind of happy that wasn't the episode. I also think that King is tired of trying to achieve things that that are high, like high goals. Because you remember that like poster at the Comiket at the at the jobs fair where it's like reach for, you know, the unbelievable or something. Yeah. And like he does it, yeah. and then he just gets denied immediately. I think that's kind of how he thinks of the the um, marathon as like something that's it's like reaching for something unbelievable, and he's like tired of doing that kind of. It was so pretty, it's pretty on the angry. nose because I think the corporation he applied to was called like Top Dream Corporation or something. Wow. Like, <laughs> you're like top dream job, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he gets rejected from his top dream. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing else. Uh, I think it's time for a short break. Cool. Yeah. We'll be back. Here's a slimy pizza we found in the garbage. They're going to go to the park late at night. Nothing wrong could happen there. Nothing bad ever happens at the park late at night. It's Japan. It's safe there. Yeah, sure. Safe. The tentacle monsters only come out in your bedroom at night. Um... You haven't watched a whole lot of hentai, have you? No, I haven't. They catch you at school, too. (laughs) (laughs) You can find the Trash Pandas Watch Anime podcast on Facetube, uh, Ubook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes, and on Twitter at Trash Panda Anime. Oh, we also have a website, tpwapodcast.com. Warning, the following clip may contain descriptions of explicit behavior conducted by Bishi boys. And that's not to say he didn't get physical. Quite the opposite, in fact. Our boy Kent was researching all the ways to please a woman. Pull this lever. And he put some <laughs> of that learning into effect, if you know what I mean. Let me give you a scene from the show that I really quite liked. My research shows that women find it pleasurable if men place their fingers here, then apply some pressure and begin to rub that area. <laughs> Do you enjoy that? Is it giving you pleasure? Please respond. I need verbal. <laughs> <laughs> Please respond. <laughs> I gotta get this out. I gotta get this out. Get it out. Please respond. I need verbal confirmation that this is something that you enjoy. <laughs> Heroin Sadie tells him that it's hurting her as he's rubbing her too vigorously. Ow. Despondent Ken removes his fingers and looks at them. Perhaps I applied too much pressure. Don't worry, Kent. Head pats are difficult to master. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Yata from the Reanimator Pod. If you want to hear more, you can check out our website. That's R E N M A T O R P O D dot com. We release new episodes every Monday. Hey. Hey. 
Do you like wrestling? Whether it be in a bar, an arena, some weird place in Asia, or in a stadium. Or the occasional penis plex. Well, if any of these things might tickle your fancy, anywhere in between from penises to wrestling, you can come and check out our podcast. Our podcast name is Smack It Down. We talk all things WWE, New Japan, anything else in between. I'm Jay Silver. I'm Corey Gold. And we look forward to you joining us. Happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day, indeed. And we're back. And we're going to talk about some bunny girls. Yeah, bitches. Well, not really, but they just (laughs) hop in all over the place. I mean, she is in a bunny girl outfit in the opening. She does dance in it. (laughs) I think she does get in her bunny outfit also in this episode, but it's very briefly. And we're on to the newest, latest model right now, anyway. So mm-hmm. forget old bunny girl. She's old and dusted. They just She's locked her in a news. closet. She doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. He, <laughs> you know what? Sakuta doesn't even answer her calls anymore. He doesn't need her. He's got, like, the fancy younger girl now. <laughs> so I actually like in this episode how much yeah. we just said is not true at all. <laughs> I know. Well, the part like, about him not answering. actually very much still like a huge player. Yeah, the part about him not answering her call is true, but that that's not yeah. because. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, at the beginning of this episode, Mai had just come over and been like, why haven't you come and explained everything to me? Like, what the fuck, dude? And so he like kneels on the ground and like takes off his shirt and is like, punish me i'm sorry and like has apparently explained everything to her um Mm -hmm. off screen and she decides not to punish him because it seems like not giving you a punishment is a punishment in your (laughs) case which is so fucking lame (laughs) also although like i guess he did take off his shirt and pants like pretty quick so like maybe she has a point (laughs) maybe it would be kind of fun for him i don't know i think that uh leo and uh, Sakuta shares some proclivities. So. <laughs> I like how uh, Sakuta is like, you know, he's kneeling on the ground in front of her. And his head is like, you could see his head is right at her leg level as she sits yep. on the bed. So I laughed so hard when he said, like, actually, I've been just looking at your legs for the past few minutes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Getting excited. <laughs> uh, I love how she just plays it off, though. Like, they always just go with it. It's great. It is. It is cute. I love their little back and forth. It's pretty adorable. Um, they they keep talking, and um, at one point, my like notes that you know Sakuta kind of hates lies like that, so she doesn't really know why he decided to go along with Koga's like fake dating thing. Um, and he explains about mm-hmm. how Koga like reminds him of his sister, like what she said when she was getting bullied, um, and she kind of decides to let him off the hook and everything but she demands that he show enough faith to be worth it and like he goes for it like he's like he's gonna like fuck her and i'm like dude i don't know if that's the <laughs> and then he's like but we could go on a date instead and she's like no i'm gonna be in kagoshima next week filming this like drama so peace out bitches but like before she goes she gives um gives him some fashion clothes that she wore on a shoot for a commercial in the hope that it will get um, Sakuta's sister uh, Kaede, Kaede interested in mm-hmm. leaving the house since like she's 15 and she never leaves the house. Um, he goes to like get her to give her the clothes, but she's right outside the door listening to them. <laughs> she's a fucking creepy ass sis or brocon, I guess. 
and like and he opens the door like right into her face and I she just know. gets wrecked and, and yep. she goes I, I, I wasn't pretending to be a ninja and he's like I didn't think that's what you were doing <laughs> but then she puts on the dress and she's all shy and adorable and I'm like yes yes we know she's hot and like she is one of the many of the harem we understand this you don't have to make it so mm-hmm. obvious um my but I like that they went to the effort of mm-hmm. making my like give a shit about his sister because a lot of anime so. won't even go that far, right? Like, yeah, um, so that makes her a more well rounded out character to me. That she actually cares not only for him but for like his fam- his close family too. Uh, it makes her a better waifu, I guess. You know, whatever. I, I think <laughs> it, it fleshes her out as a character and it makes me like her better as a person mm-hmm. slash character. Um, yeah. I agree with that. Okay, so Maya makes a comment that she hopes that him dating Koga doesn't turn from pretend to serious. And, like, he assures uh-huh. her, like, my heart is only for you. And she's like, well, but if you don't get it, that's fine, whatever. And I'm just thinking, like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um, so I think I, I figured out what that meant by the end of the episode. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, what, what do you think? It, it, oh, well, you want to talk about so, it later or now? I guess we could talk about it later, yeah. Okay. Um. So then, late like in a later like uh, scene, Sakuta asks his coworker about that guy that Koga was avoiding, who who was trying to ask her out, and apparently he already has a girlfriend and like talks shittily about all his girlfriends. And I was just like, "Yep, he's an asshole." Confirmed. <laughs> like he like you know how I had the theory in the last episode where I was like, either he was a total asshole and he knew he was pressuring her, or he's like clueless. No, he he's totally the asshole. He totally knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Koga sh- shows up to their date all dressed up and cute. She asks for Sakuta's line so she can like text him and flirt and da 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 da. But he doesn't have a cell phone, so he can't. <laughs> Jesus. And she asks how he lives with that one, and like Sakuta kind of goes like, "Well, if you have a smartphone, do you do you not like do you die if you don't have one?" And she's like, "Yes, you'll die." <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree in this day and age. <laughs> you kind of need a yeah, cell phone. I mean, if you don't have a cell phone, you, you at least you need to give up. Like, you can't complain about, like, not knowing about things when, like, plans change, like, 30 minutes before or something. Like, you, like, you give up the right to complain about stuff like that. So if you're okay with that, then, like, fine. Don't have a cell phone. But... Oh, you, yeah. you two are it's really annoying. caught up caught up on this no cell phone thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But okay, so then they get on the train to go to the aquarium. Um, Koga seems really tired, so Sakuta asked her like if she slept. And she's, and I thought when he said that, she was going to be like, oh, I was so nervous, so I didn't sleep. But no, she was staying up late talking with her like quote-unquote friends. Um, and she seems to treat watching videos that they recommend as like some homework that is very serious that she dutifully has to accomplish. And she just like writes mm-hmm. these detailed impressions on the train of like what she thinks of the videos, and, and I'm just thinking like this shouldn't be so hard. It's supposed to be your friends. I don't know. It was interesting. Um, they go to the zoo aquarium and they have fun. And then I was thinking to myself as I was watching the zoo kind of snapshot scenes, why are zoos like in an anime? Like they always show them as being like inside. Like they're never outside at the zoo. They're always inside and. Like, my experience with zoos in the U.S. 
is that 95% of that zoo is outdoors. <laughs> Are yeah. zoos like different in Japan? Or? Well, I remember the the Ueno Zoo in Mitsuboshi Colors had some outside parts, but even there, there were like some like underground, like enclosed areas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe there's like protect the animals from the weather and stuff at a lot of the zoos. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, don't let actually. the elephants die. Oh Mit- God, Mitsuboshi sad. reference. <laughs> Rip elephants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. But yeah, I just thought that I just realized that in my head, and I was like, hmm. It's always interesting. Um, but yeah, so we learned that Koga used to be uh, used to live in a really country area of Japan until her dad got relocated at his job. And so when she changed where they lived, she decided like she would change her whole look so that she wouldn't get picked on at her new place. And she also worked on mm-hmm. her accent. So she says she likes who she is now. And Sakuto replies, like, as long as she likes who you are, who you are, like, you don't need to feel bad that you changed yourself because that's that's the real you if you like who you are um and you're True. just evolving not being untrue to yourself because she seems to have this feeling like she's lying about who she is um on yeah. the way home they help this other random girl find a phone strap by the beach and koga gets Isn't like it like a classmate it is I but guess like, it we don't a, know her very well yeah. we don't like, know her yeah yeah yep. um and Koga gets soaked and like catches a cold because it's like, you know, she's jumping in and out of the waves to get it. Um, and then Sakuta brings her a bunch of canned mandarin oranges like at school. <laughs> and I always I thought to myself, it's always oranges or apples in anime. Whenever someone gets sick, mm-hmm. that's what they get. And I'm like, wow. In America, if you get sick, people bring you like uh, uh, chicken noodle soup and something fattening. <laughs> Like right. mac and cheese. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, weird. like the whole like cutting off the skin of the apple and then like giving you little slices is totally a, a trope. Making it into sick. the rabbits. Yeah, the <laughs> little or rabbit like the, the apples. rice porridge. Why did they obviously. not make it r- rabbits? I mean, this show, it's in the fucking title. <laughs> it should have totally been the rabbits. <laughs> Listen, Sakuta didn't have time to carve little rabbits into the apple. He's he's got things to do. Okay, he's got uh-huh. he's got enough time to fake be his her boyfriend. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> well, it's because his real girlfriend is uh, off for a week, so he exactly, has time. exactly. <laughs> uh, so while he when he gives her that, he asks her why she didn't stay homesick instead of going to the nurse's station at school, and she says she doesn't want to fall behind with her friends. She seems to. Ch- treat her friends like a class that she doesn't have she can't fail or something it's really weird um what reminded me of like clueless or like mean girls where like you have to keep up with what everybody else is talking about or else like you're on the outside of the group so it's like it's not even like they're really friends they're just like the group you have to hang out with and if if you don't keep up with them you're out yeah Mm -hmm. i kind of got the same thing it was just weird but yeah, so Koga mm-hmm. points out uh, to Sakata that Mai never said she loved him. She just agreed to go out with him. Uh, and so he's <laughs> like, I'm going to make her say it next time. Uh, and Mai calls him that night from the hotel, which was very sweet of her, where she is on her drama. And it's, it's adorable. Um, and then Futaba later on, like in another scene, did you see? <laughs> this scene was cute. So Futawa talks with her crush Kunimi mm-hmm. through the window the next day at school. 
And Sakuta walks in and is like, sorry to interrupt. Like, really? <laughs> and, like, leaves. And Futaba is just so fucking pissed. Because she's like, listen, you can't do things like this. He might catch on. And Sakuta's like. Was it, wasn't Kanimi looking for Sakuta, though? Yeah. Yes. That's why Kunimi he's like, is, doesn't yeah. give a shit about Futaba. He wants to find Sakuta. And, yeah. and like, Sakuta implies that Kunimi is, like, the densest human being alive and that he will never figure it out. Um, <laughs> it's but true. The, but the red-haired girl who hates uh, Sakuta, like, who is Kunimi's girlfriend, like, she definitely figured it out a long time ago because she's just even more pissed when she barges in and sees this whole scene. And she drags um, Sakuta up to the roof and, like, reams him like to, like, an inch of his death about how he needs to stay away from Kunimi and who is this red, who is this other girl who's getting close to my man and all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, makes me kind of wonder if we're going to get close to that red haired girl at some point and she's going to be one of these people. <laughs> I think she's just going to be like a recurring girl who Sakata just like, like wrecks. <laughs> like every time they have a conversation, she seems to be leave like extremely angry. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, Sakuta later tells Kunimi about this whole fight and that he must choose between her and him. And he says, like, yeah. I'll talk to her about it later. <laughs> we'll get it worked out. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> um, and then Kunimi asks um, Sakuta in exchange, like, are you really dating Koga? <laughs> like, that's a little interesting. And he lies and says that he is, but it's a trial period. And Kunimi's like, well, you better be careful about that Koga, because I heard that she's, like, a whore, and she, like, sleeps around a lot. And apparently that guy has been spreading rumors about her, basically. That's what you find out. Right. Um, there's this interesting scene with between Sakuta and Futaba later on where they're on the bridge, and Sakuta asks Futaba if she ever thinks about the what-ifs of life. Um, and Futaba is like, oh, I've never heard you say anything like that before. That's interesting. Um, and, then, and he's just like, I wish I could stop thinking about it because it's useless. And, and I think he's right. he's really thinking about his sister again. Like, it really weighs on him, the whole situation with his yeah. sister. Um, which I'm sure we're going to get backstory on at some point. Um, and then it shows that, like, later it shows that Maya called again later, and like, that, that day, and he missed it. And I was like, no, this is a bad thing. Um, <laughs> well, he doesn't have a cell phone, so of course. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if you call the house, but I'm just, you know, if they're showing that he missed the call, then there's a reason they're showing it. So I'm like apprehensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, it's obvious that the rumors about Koga are getting worse because she's all alone on this bench and people are whispering about her. And that dude that was going to ask her out comes up who was spreading the rumors about her just as Sakuta, like, meets up with her. And he's like, oh, first years nowadays, they get it on a lot, huh? And and Sakuta just smirks at him in this, like, really obnoxious way and, like, picks a fight. And the guy just punches him, like, punches Sakuta straight in the face. And Sakuta gets up and is like, oh, I'm going to punch you back. But then he kicks him instead. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the guy falls on the ground and because he's on the ground it's embarrassing for him and it's almost like the tables are turned even though that guy is physically much stronger than Sakuta and Sakuta yeah, makes it sure. worse by saying he 
stepped in poop just a little bit ago. And he's been kicking <laughs> that him. That was dumb. That was <laughs> that dumb. Was but really like stupid. you know, it, it it was funny. It was okay. Yeah. Um, he's humiliating the guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then the guy's like, why are you messing with me? And Socrates like, well, you're the one messing with people. Um, and if you don't want to attract attention, you shouldn't do dumb shit. <laughs> then he yells. <laughs> and then he immediately contradicts himself by yelling out to the crowd that he's a virgin and running off with Koga, which was dumb shit. That was the dumb thing to do. <laughs> so Yes. <laughs> um. But it, it, like, drew the attention away. Like, oh, it solved the problem. Because, like, if, if he's a virgin, then obviously he hasn't been having sex with her. So then maybe people will stop calling her a whore, which is obviously wrong. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. That, that's true. I just thought it was funny that he's like, don't do dumb things. <laughs> now watch me do a dumb thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and then Koga says that she thinks, like, once they run off and they're alone koga's like i think i understand what you mean now about like only needing one or two people in your life and um she asks what she can do for sakata to repay him for like everything he's done for her and he says like uh, i don't really need much like can you just be my friend after all this is over um and it's clear koga's like kind of wants something else to be what he asks <laughs> Like she, yeah. she, she, she's wanting something from him because later it shows her Koga watching Maya's commercial, and it's clear that she's wondering, like, D- can I, can I beat my, like, can I have a chance with Sakuta compared to her? So trouble brewing. And that's what, and that's yeah. what I think Maya was actually talking about when she told Sakuta, like, I hope all the pretending doesn't become real. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, I think she means for the girl, for Tomoe. Oh. Like, her pretending might become real and she might start to fall for Sakata. And that's clearly kind of happening. So we'll have to see how that plays out, obviously, as the, her arc goes on. But, yeah. That makes Mine's sense. smart. She knows what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Leo? Um, you got anything to say? Uh, I just thought this, the scene with uh, Sakata, like, punching the guy... And hitting him to the ground was what he said was just stupid as hell. I mean, wouldn't it have been just way smarter for him to say, you know, I know you were the one spreading the rumors about uh, Tomoe after she turned you down. I mean, that that would have just that would humiliated him and solved the rumor problem for Tomoe. So, like, what the fuck is he doing? Would it really have humiliated him, though? Because, like, that's not what that guy is. That guy values that guy values like his public image. And what and people seeing him as strong. Yeah, it would have hurt his public image because he was falsely spreading rumors because he got fucking well, but, rejected. But then it's just like his and the uh, fact he got rejected will hurt him so much. I think that his physical strength and the fact that he got beat by this weaker kid is more important to him than his romantic life. Yeah, but he's already well, punched him and shoved him it. on the ground. So there you go. He's already been beat. So that's happening. Yeah, it's more about the choice of like, should I <laughs> yell to this entire crowd that I'm a virgin? Or should I humiliate this guy by saying like, oh, he was the one spreading the rumors instead and, and solve her problem that way. But like, Yeah, because she I, still I, has to deal yeah. with the rumors. So Yeah, I think, well, no, I mean, like he doesn't uh, because he says he's a virgin. And so she doesn't have to, like, if he's a virgin, he hasn't had sex with her. And so she's not sleeping around. And therefore she can't, those rumors about her can't be true if he's a virgin. And exactly. why would he say that unless it was true? Because, because no guy wants like, to admit to being a virgin. It's a very embarrassing thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I see why he feels like that was like the most direct solution. But I also understand where you're coming from, where it would be kind of like sneakier and smarter to just say like, oh, no, he's the one spreading the rumors. Right. Obviously, he wouldn't it's take a lie. himself down at the same time. <laughs> but he likes taking himself down. He's kind of used to it. Like he was God. in the schoolyard yelling about how he loved Mai a couple episodes ago. So I feel like this is going to be like a regular thing where he just goes out on a limb and puts himself down in order to save the other girls. It's just like in uh, Ore Gairu, my, my teen love com snafu. Mm-hmm. He does the same thing a couple times in that series where he has to come out of his shell and put himself out there and take the hit so that the girls can be okay. And it's it's just a typical light novel thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't read light novels. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so, Elitist yeah. Leo, tell us what you did watch or read instead of light oh, novels. Yeah. Tell us all about it. Just mangas and stuff. But I've not <laughs> read the Banana Fish manga. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. The Banana Nanana Fish manga. Siri, what is this? Episode 17, The Killers. Um. Again, I'm regretting <laughs> locking this. I love it, <laughs> but there's a lot that happens. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I feel like BCom when I write these synopses because I'm like, I'm not doing a very good job of condensing these. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the episodes just are ridiculous. Like, and this one had a ton of shit happening in it. I agree. It's hard to bring it down. Yeah. Uh, I honestly probably would have missed a lot of this because there was so much going on. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't doing the synopsis. So Ash ends up returning to his gang and they're, they're surprised. And then like Sue Ren says something about, I know wh- why you killed shorter. And then like Ash just drags him away to the roof. He's like, you will never fucking tell anybody why mm-hmm. I killed him. This is to remain a secret. And then like AC shows up and he's like, Hey, leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then those two like crawl for a minute and they end it all with just like a hug at the end. And I'm just like, what the f-? I'm like, just fuck already. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> okay. Big bro. <laughs> uh, so Dino goes to meet with, uh, Mr. Lee Hualong and finds him not responding. Cause he's been banana fished. Uh, <laughs> he's been banana fish I love that I'm, I'm just like I'm sitting there I'm like I have to use that term in something else now <laughs> like when somebody's like super super drunk and they're just like completely out of it I can lean, lean over to be calm and be like they've been banana fished <laughs> there's a lot of mind break hentai where you could say they've been banana fished oh, yeah, sure. oh there you go there we go <laughs> that this this will be one of our new terms for the Nerd of Another Nonsense podcast. So, Great. anyways, that's when like Yetlung shows up and says he invited him under his brother's name. They sit down. Yetlung shows Dino that he knows about banana fish and everybody involved. Like he's got like a whole pr- projector and everything. <laughs> uh, Yetlung then offers to Dino that he can have the five remaining board members that had him outed kicked out, uh, have him killed. And in return, he would like Dino to help him kill the head of the head of the Lee clan, uh, Wang Lung, and all his brothers, even their wives and children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've already had children die in this, so this is not surprising. Uh, he later on takes Dino to his like greenhouse and shows him his uh, Brugmanzia plants, also known as angel's trumpets. He talks about how when ingested, these plants can have a wide array of toxic effects. All the effects sound strangely like banana fish. He does Ooh. say that the banana fish was made with a mutation on this plant and tells Dino he has a way for him to get Ash and the professor back. I did a little research. This shit's Ooh. actually kind of true. <laughs> oh, really? About the plant, you mean? <laughs> yeah, this plant, like, 
the angel's trumpet is like you can i think i believe you can touch it but if it's ingested you can have hallucinations you can have a whole list of fucked up shit happen to you they're actually pretty toxic this it's actually whatever the family tree of this plant is like they're all almost toxic i guess oh okay okay yeah yeah so like when he was writing up this manga he was actually doing his own research to have like some sort of truth to it so it's oh. cool he was doing his own yeah. research he was he was doing some hands-on research is what you're saying <laughs> oh god well yes. they, they said the hallucinations <laughs> are described as horror-based not like popping some shrooms or ex oh. or uh, acid or anything not, not, like so that not yeah, like fun a, research it wouldn't horrifying. be like i must ingest no. this to to know for myself no it's it's no, it was definitely noted that it's definitely horrifying hallucinations, so you don't okay. want them. Uh, so Ash and Ag have another one-on-one, and Ash admits that he's glad Ag is staying because he would still be worried about him if he left, and he <laughs> can keep an eye on him here. And like Ag is like almost speechless at this coming from Ash, and he's like, "Say that again." <laughs> <laughs> they then like get some dinner and rehash a little bit about what Ag has been up to in Ash's absence, and then and that they have no idea what Young Lung is up to, just that he's up to something. Uh, the next day, they decide to visit Long Island, and like they take a boat ride there. And Ash really opens up to Ag about like his mother basically abandoned him, you know, left him at a very young age. And Ag's like doing his best to try to cheer him up, and he's like, "Well, your mother named you Aslan, and which turns out to be like the Hebrew name for like Don, and his middle name is Jade, and like that his mother probably wanted him to shine like a jade at dawn." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then suddenly Ash's Spidey-like powers kick in. He turns around quickly, and he doesn't find anybody, but we get to see like somebody like kind of discreetly hiding in the shadows around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ash then calls the middle-aged duo, who is talking with their lawyer about doing some kind of interview to take Dino down. And like Ash tells him he can't come because he feels like somebody's watching him. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Ag end up at the library to do some research on banana fish when his spidey senses go off again. Uh, he sends Ag out to get hot dogs, and then like, oh no, it's too dangerous. He decides to go with him instead. Well, okay, mm-hmm. but like when he sends him to get hot dogs, doesn't he like? <laughs> okay, so extra mustard. Okay, but is is mustard in Japan? Like less is more mild in New York. than mustard. Oh, I'm glad you're complaining about this too, because I am also complaining about this. Like, yeah, so, no. yeah, the mustard, the mustard on hot dog carts in New York City is usually like Heinz yellow mustard. Like that shit's not like strong. I and will Age say, is just like crying when he eats it. I will say though <laughs> that when you look at it, it looks like there's sauerkraut in it too. Yeah, that's true. So okay, that would I, be I an extra sour flavor. That Japanese mustard is apparently more spicy than American mustard. So, like, I don't know yeah, how don't know. he would think it's super spicy. Yeah, it's like the maybe the vinegar. I, I don't know. Like something I, about it got it to ha- him. I think it has to be the sauerkraut that's in. Because do New York dogs usually have sauerkraut? Uh, typically they do, but he okay, also okay. said that he did say mustard. Like he, he made it seem like it was the mustard that got to him, but I yeah. don't know. it could be the sauerkraut mixed with the mustard or something. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you just like yeah, being a so. punk, like suck it up, dude. It's just some mustard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We know you want wiener in your mouth if it's spicy or not. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> he went <Maybe> there. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Yut Lung is meeting with Wang Lung, who is <laughs> uh, dick jokes. Wang Lung, who is asking why Dino paid him a visit the other day, 
and like he's like pulling him by the hair and then like some of Dino's goons come in and then like uh Wang Lung and Yet Long like have this like intense like back and forth they're like he's like we only let you live because I don't know you have the same blood or something like that but our father was a demon or something like that but then like Wang Lung gets like fucking shot by Dino's goons so he's dead and then like Kippard's noticing the killings of the foundation board members and then he just calls up somebody saying we should meet sometime soon who who is he talking to you guys have any idea what's what that was about um i'm not sure he was talking to was that when he was outside his house though and he was yeah. eating friggin amu rice yep yeah mm-hmm. and i'm like why is this american senator eating actually i'm not the one who said this I, I noticed this comment on reddit from the user bleed peroxide who was just like why is kippard an american senator sitting around eating amu rice Come on, <laughs> because, Japan. Uh, it's actually interesting because like this whole anime has a very weird lens because it's a mm-hmm. it's an anime about the U.S. through Japan's eyes. Like there are a lot, there are parts where they're like, it's almost like Japan culturally commenting on the U.S. It's really interesting. Like the part yeah. about the Iraq War or like the countryside of the U.S. versus the cities and all the commentary on that here. Like in this episode, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm always just fascinated to hear about it because it, it's almost like you get a glimpse of like how they view us. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, well, the, the, mm-hmm. it, well, in this episode, they uh, they completely brought up the thing where like Ash is like, you know, foreigners think the U.S. is you know it's like L.A. and New York, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like no, that bear that doesn't cover shit. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, there's a I huge mean, amount of country. So, yeah, there's so. a lot of the country that's nothing like that. But yeah, there, and then also. Did you notice in the beginning of the episode there was some like news conference or something and someone said literally said fake news was the subtitle? Yes. <laughs> oh god. I dude I saw that and I put my hand my face <laughs> in my hands and was just like Jesus Christ. And they did not have to translate it that way. That's on Amazon. Oh, like, I they, didn't know. They, they did that, that on purpose. There. They yeah. totally did. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Well, but to Aji's uh, to Aji's uh, point he is right. It was fucking fake news. <laughs> True. <laughs> it was right, but we know what you're talking about. So Ash meets with Max and the lawyer, and he gives them what he has uncovered about what banana fish is made from. He ha- he sus- suspects it's the alkaloids in some plants, and that is what it was in the other thing, and that causes these type of things. But he was looking at a type of cactus that can do this. Uh, he asks him to have a specialist look at and, you know, get his opinion and think of what he thinks. He also says he can take care of Kippard himself since he always visits Dino's restaurant. So I was like, oh, God, he's going to go mm-hmm. be a whore. I, I saw exactly where that was coming. So yeah. going. Uh, Ash then goes back outside and gets his spidey sense again. And it's just getting like he's just plain flustered by it at this point. He's like, who the fuck is goddamn following me? Yeah. Uh, we finally get to see the guy that is tailing Ash, who is named Blanca. From Street ta- Fighter. No, I'm just yeah. joking. Yeah. <laughs> he's no. not from Street Fighter. <laughs> he, he's talking with Dino. He says he came to refuse Dino's offer, but he has become curious what Ash can do now and decides to accept his offer instead. And there's a really cool quote that Blanca gives. He, go, he says to Dino, he's like, guys like us, we're just getting old now. But, but guys like Ash, they're still growing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, oh. Nice. Uh, 
Into the final scene, Eiji finally tells Ash that Yuklung told him he would be Ash's mortal enemy. Ash then goes off to prostitute himself, his words, and gets kippered alone in a hotel room before pulling a gun on him and demanding to know who it is that's protecting all of them. That's what he said, right? Protecting all of them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure what he was talking about or how this was a problem. Did you guys? Yeah, I guess he, he feels there's somebody who's above all of them who is the one who's like really pulling the strings on all yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I I thought it was very interesting how AG a- does not get upset or ask for any further clarification. Like, because he's like, "Where are you up? Where are you headed tonight? What's you up to?" And Ash is like, "Oh, I'm I'm just gonna go out and prostitute myself." And, he and says AG, it like three times in I that know. one scene. <laughs> and and AG's like. Huh? Well, have a nice night. And I'm like, what? You're not, you're not like confused. You're not gonna ask him. Maybe, what he means? maybe he didn't learn. Maybe he didn't learn the English word for prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, so Kippert won't say who, and he's just even like, just kill me now until Ash shows him a picture of him fucking a little boy. Mm-hmm. So apparently. Dying is better than living and basically having his career as a senator ruined, I guess. Dying is better yeah. than being outed like the creator of Roni Kenshin. <laughs> so Kippard's like going to tell, but just before he tells, like a bullet takes him out in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. And like Ash kills the lights and like takes cover. And he deduces because of the angle of the shot that had come to, from a certain building and that the shot is so impossible that couldn't have been an ordinary assassin. Uh, <laughs> we get to see that it was Blanca who took the shot and he's even impressed that Ash, Ash's first uh, re- reaction to this was to fucking yank the fucking uh, lamp off the table and unplug it so it plunged into darkness and then the shooter could not also target him. Yeah, that was pretty so, quick thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, was, I think... The introduction of Blanca is interesting as like Ash's like former mentor, I guess, in like the art of assassination or whatever. Um, so really? it'll be because yeah, I didn't. They don't openly say this, and I think you can suspect it a little bit, but not mm-hmm. not too much. They they hint at it at least like they well they say like he's interested in in like he like Dino asked him like why did you come back and he's like. Well, like I was inter- I was going to decline your offer, but then I saw the boy and what he's become, and I'm like interested. And then later on, he said something about like having taught him some of the things that he knows. Uh, something like that came up. So there's definitely some bond between them. I don't know how much like he learned, uh, or how much Ash learned from Blanca, but I'm sure we'll find out. Uh, I am also hoping that this episode was just like the calm before the storm because like. Well, I liked that episode a few episodes back that slowed down. This one, like, really moved slow for me until, like, towards the end. And I was just like, all right, can we get get going towards, like, whatever the next ridiculous plot point is going to be? Well, <laughs> because... okay, if this, if this show follows it, how it likes to structure its stuff, yeah, shit's about to get fucking crazy the next episode. Right. Or two. Yeah. So. <laughs> I agree. There's that. Kat, do you got anything you want to add? Uh, no, I think that I had all the comments sprinkled throughout your explanation i do think it'll be interesting to see how this ends because i'm hoping for like a like a conclusion that surprises everyone like something clever unlike girl in twilight where all of the plot points seem to be too simple and boring (laughs) (laughs) all right well going into the next show cat can give me your best chicken voice 
This episode, let me just say, is literally just an ad for Saga and this chicken restaurant. Yep. That is what this <laughs> yes, is. it is. We have been forced. We have been tripped, conned into watching an ad. And they called it an anime yep. episode. And we reviewed it. <laughs> it's bad. Well, it's like the uh, it's like the Super Bowl. You you watch it for the ads if you don't care about the football. <laughs> oh, I'm boy. convinced now. So, yeah. Saga is paying for this anime, right? Oh, de- they must be. There must they be some deal be. going on there. It's a publicity thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to talk about it later. But so yeah, this is Zombieland Saga. I did not realize that Saga was a real place until this episode. <laughs> Because I'm dumb. <laughs> I was totally like, oh, Saga, that, doesn't, that sounds like a nice fake Japanese prefecture. No, like, nope, it's a real place. <laughs> it's like a real prefecture. <laughs> yep. They've do, been advertising did you do any it. research into it? Like, is it like got a, like a bunch of, well, like, I, I guess, some research attractions and stuff? Uh, well, yeah, like that. Um, is it is it in this episode where they do like yeah I'm gonna talk about it in my synopsis 100 percent so I'll just go I'll go into it because like I, I researched a little bit about the drive in chicken restaurant and like the mud flats that they went to okay so, so like I just a quick Google search and this is definitely a kind of a tourist spot <laughs> yeah for sure so what better way to t- to bring in tourism than zombie idols I mean come on obviously. So, episode five, the nice bird saga in your heart. Uh, so, Kotaro starts off this episode with this baseball metaphor about how the girls are in the ninth inning and they're trying to prove that they're best idol team in town. And he literally throws a baseball up and then hits it with a bat, like directly into Saki's head, like really hard. And Saki like gets up, throws it back at him, and like he like almost like enters into his leg. By the way, it's like she throws it so <laughs> the hard. The visual they show that baseball hitting his leg is yeah. Brutal. It's pretty it's, brutal. The bone's not even breaking. It's just bending with the ball. Yep. It's like the <laughs> Matrix much. or something. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Romero, the little zombie dog, just eats the baseball because delicious. Um, so it turns out the next step for the group is to appear in a commercial for the mega famous business, which is called Drive In Tory. Uh, and. <laughs> Can, can, can you give like, us a little a little introduction to their jingle? Oh wait, I don't remember their jingle. <laughs> I don't remember it either, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it. I, uh, yeah, I wish I'd written it down. But it's like they, they show you this like little blurred live action performance commercial oh for Drive and Tori. They do this twice. <laughs> yeah. These this yeah. is mm-hmm. an, these are actual commercials and shit. Like this is actual stuff that they're basically advertising in Saga. Yeah, which yeah. which is like you said earlier, Cat makes you really think Saga is giving them a little money. Yeah, to do this but shit. more than a little money. <laughs> let's be real. Well, as we, yeah, so Saki is really happy about this, right? Because she's in love with Drive In Tori. Like uh, she and her Dude, biker gang used to go love. there. Her love for this place is cracking me the fuck <laughs> up. It's so good. Dude, her and the manager both get like really like the right now gag gets done like twice in this episode. <laughs> both times I'm fucking just dying laughing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, so they go over to this uh, drive-in restaurant and they're greeted by the president of the company who, by the way, is voice acted by the president of the company in real life. 
Uh, like they, uh, there's like pictures of him going into the recording studio with like the Zombieland Saga uh, like script in his hands and everything. So yeah, he basically like shills his own company's chicken for a little bit, uh, and then Ty starts eating raw chicken off of her plate like an animal, <laughs> which I liked. I I, I like that um, this president of their company did not restrict the show from like showing the people eating like raw chicken or something right like he was just like oh fine it's great it's funny it's it's whatever so that that i appreciate it but um this is where the manager steps in uh and uses his glamour trick that he used on like that woman during the last episode at the inn for like pharmaceutical (laughs) company yeah yeah yeah. he like grabs his chin and he's like (laughs) yeah that's it's pretty good (laughs) he's really good at glamouring people like that for sure um (laughs) And so they start filming the commercial with the girls all dressed up in chicken suits and also with Coco, uh, the company mascot, who is the company's mascot in real life as well. Um, but he, like, shows up. He, like, looks like an actual chicken, like not a person, like like a chicken person. Yeah. I'm yep. really confused about what, what he was by the end of this episode. <laughs> I feel like you're um, supposed to be confused. Like, you're supposed to think to yourself, like, is this a real chicken? What is this? Yeah. And, like, Ty does not care, immediately tries to jump on this chicken and eat it, uh, but soccer eventually stops her. Um, And so, actually getting the commercial in the can takes, like, a bunch of tries because Ty keeps making zombie noises or just screaming, like, cock-a-doodle-doo, like, at the wrong time. She's like, (laughs) (laughs) And they're all just like, oh, could you do that again? But like with less like gurgling. <laughs> like, I know. Like, it's <laughs> and you're like, how are they not realizing that something is wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they eventually get a good take. But then the manager comes up to them and asks them, like, are you really satisfied with that performance? And he yells at them for not putting enough chicken authenticity into their performance. <laughs> Uh, they need to like we need to hear the crow of a chicken's soul when it's burning on the grill <laughs> through your performance. Oh, God. Um, well, that's what we got Ty Yamada for. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like Saki agrees to and saying like we need to be willing to outshine like any other idol we're on the stage with, and that includes Coco. And we need to gobble up that idol. And Ty's like, oh, gobble? <laughs> Starts running after Coco again, trying to gobble him up. And the manager's like, no, 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 don't stop them. Roll the cameras. Ty is like biting this chicken's ass off and like exposing like boxer shorts, but like they get it all on film. Um, And so in the end, the commercial is like a pretty big success. Like, and you see, like, the manager watching it back, and he's just, like, cli- <laughs> he's just slow clapping, going, like, nice bird, nice bird, <laughs> as he watched it on TV. It is good. It's so good. Uh, so, yeah, and then they move on to the second half. Okay, uh, this the, French the, man- <laughs> I- the French bread! The French bread. Wait, French, oh, the French bread, I forgot about the French yes. bread. Yes. Oh Wait, who was that? Was it Chloe <laughs> who like <laughs> hits him over the head with French, or he hits over the head with no, French bread? No, he comes or in with I this big ass loaf of French bread, which I don't know why. I don't know what reference this is. And he he's like he like strokes her with it and is like, "Are you a good girl or something?" And she's like, just takes it from him and like hits him. I love it. <laughs> what the hell? Wait, wh- which one did that? I don't remember. I can't remember. It might have been I or Junko. I, it's one of them, I think. 
I can't remember which one. I think it's I. I said Chloe because she, she reminds me of Chloe and Girl yeah, in Twilight. I was like, there's no Chloe. There's no I Chloe. I was laughing yeah, hysterically yeah. throughout that. <laughs> no, well, th- there is the thing about like if you leave French bread out for a couple days, it becomes fucking hard as a rock. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what it was playing off of. But, yeah, this whole second part with the mud stuff. Oh, God. I, I was rolling the whole time. It's fantastic. What about? Yeah, this but, is a real place. So, um, but especially the part w- without saying too much until you get to it, it w- with a Yugiri when she gets on the rope. Mm-hmm. I was done. I was done. <laughs> this slayed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is a real event, like called the Kashima God Olympics. Like you could look this up. It's like this weird event that they hold in the mud flats off of Kashima City in the Saga Prefecture. Um, and like yeah so they're actually advertising real life restaurants in this show and like real life places blah 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 i finally had this realization at this point (laughs) (laughs) it only took five episodes (laughs) yeah um so there's this also there's also this guy who like saw sakura on tv from the commercial and he's now at the competition as well and he's like looking at her through binoculars saying like i swear i saw this girl like somewhere before well doesn't it change later on to i like at the end of the episode, I thought it, it might be. Yeah, like he looked at a couple of the different girls and seemed to be getting an like idea. It, it misleads you up for a quick minute, but then like in the episode, he's looking at I. I think so, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the first event of this like mud flats like competition is like biking on this narrow wooden board and like trying not to fall over into the mud before you get to the end. Um, and, like, this is good because it, it covers up the horribly ugly design of the Franchouchou t-shirts that the manager gave them. <laughs> um, it's also bad, though, because they get, like, none of them make it. All of the girls just, like, fall directly into the mud, pretty much. Uh, well, it's, it shows, and, like, everyone falling into the mud on that bike part. And I'm just thinking, like, how hard is it to, to bike in a straight line? Like I don't know. Well, yeah. it, it's probably rigged. They probably have weights in the pedals. Mm, maybe. So when those pedals be. are rotating, that's really fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they go off to wash off like all of this mud with a hose, and they're like, "Oh, it feels so much better." And then they all look at each other and we're like fuck, we just washed off all our stupid zombie makeup. And so they, like, put some, co- like, orange cones over their heads and, like, run back Donuts. to the mud flats and mm. just jump in the mud. Um, yep. So, and then they're up in the stands, completely covered in mud, and they see Kotaro down there, and he's, like, going to participate in this bike race. And he, the girls get really annoyed with him because there's, a, like, a reporter standing right next to him. And they're all about – all this event is for is for them to promote their group. And he, they just, like, keep asking him, like, so uh, who are you? And he's like, uh, Kotaro. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> where are you from? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> he doesn't promote the group at all. He doesn't wear their T-shirt. And to top it all off, he, like, actually makes it through the bike course without falling, <laughs> which pisses them off the most. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, the next event is this Tarzan mud swing. So it's this, like, big rope. You have to swing as far as you can into the mud. Uh, and so you get graded on distance and also style points. Uh, pretty much all of the girls absolutely suck at it. Like, either, like, fall straight down or, like, in Saki's place, they, they release, like, directly vertical and then come straight down and get no distance. 
But then you, you Geary gets out there. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a strip show, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that and, and she also does like these acrobatic moves, like so, like a gymnast would do. And she gets like all these style points. Like the whole crowd's no, dude, like, oh. This is what if you go to a strip club, this is what you see the girl doing on the pole. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, Which I mean, is, obviously. You guess so? I know so because these are direct moves to showing what she used to be. I was like, I know some things about some poles, all right. Let me tell you. These poses look oddly familiar to me. Exactly. Yes, it gets the crowd very excited. Uh, They give her a ton of style points, but she also just does not jump at all. She just comes down. She goes back to the platform. It's great. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, finally Ty of all people gets on the swing and she just works up a crazy amount of momentum and goes like flying off almost into the sun but there's so much momentum that like all of her body parts like separate oh, <laughs> from I know. her head like, and they all body. run out there like they're like run, run, run. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> they gotta put Humpty Dumpty back together again and so yep. they do somehow before people notice because like it was like sunny and there was like some haze and whatever. Oh, well, like they really what it. happens is people don't want to like they don't want to they don't want to <laughs> see what they saw. So like it was like yeah. willing ignorance. <laughs> yeah, basically. So. Um, but like because she jumps so far, Ty wins the gold and then gives her victory speech. And you're <laughs> which... going to give the exact reenactment right now, right? <laughs> 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 Um, and then like soccer is like god damn it this isn't going to give us any publicity either but like she remembers uh, like Ty ripped her shirt before they went out so she gave her another shirt to put over it and she's like oh Ty like rip your shirt because it's covered with mud but there's a clean one right underneath it and so Ty like realizes what this means and she like rips her shirt off and underneath it is just like a drive in Tory shirt (laughs) (laughs) and then she just makes a cocky doodle doo And the manager claps. It's like, nice bird. (laughs) I was dead. I was so good. Oh my god, it was. So uh, and also that yeah, that dude came back and seems to recognize like I or I think I thought it was Junko. I guess at the end. But I guess it was really misleading because he seemed to be looking at different girls at different times. Yeah, I did notice. um, The the manager does that distractor move that he used on the hotel lady earlier, yeah. like in another episode, on the uh, fast food dude when he gets angry. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. I'm gonna just call it the distractor, like the move where he just grabs them by the chin and is like, shh. Well, Becom was calling it glamoring. glamoring. Yeah, it was like Edward yeah, from glamoring, Twilight, which is glamoring people or something. <laughs> oh yeah. god. But yeah, I, uh, yeah. God, I, this show really cracks me up. This this was definitely the best episode uh, since like the first couple. I think it really got, had me laughing the whole time. So yeah, yeah. I'd really like to see them go back to doing some more like crazy, like very non idolish music. Excuse me, yeah, music stuff because that was like when they did the metal. I was like, oh, cool. I'm definitely aware. But then when they did the rapping, I'm like, all right, you guys are really selling it to me now. What else do you got? And we yes. haven't really had too much. I really did like the chicken jingle, though. That was really cool. Um, <laughs> I just want, I really want to see, see them do a lot more with that stuff. Because this episode, like you said, was a fucking blast. <laughs> it was great. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
the next show had a blast at the end of the last episode that now they need to fucking explain to us. So, Leo, tell us about that. Okay, so Kawakuri Circus. Uh, we're on episode five. Is it uh, Circus Departure? Yeah. Yeah. So, we get a time jump. It's been two months since Narumi disappeared, and Masaru is going back to school for the first time since then. Shiragane has also is also going back to school because she's like... 18 or 19, something like yeah, that. I looked this up because I was like, wait, is Shiragane not an adult? And it's like, yeah, no, she's not. Just apparently, she's supposedly just 18. So, How old is Narumi then? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't look that up. I'll look that up while you read the review. Okay. <laughs> uh, but she is also working as Masaru's maid. And she's like, like she has been the whole time, like basically overbearing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out Masaru is unfortunately bullied at school and it starts right back up on his first day. But Masaru is manned up now and he's like, this shit is nothing compared to what I went through in that fucking mansion. <laughs> <laughs> so like everything these bullies are doing to him, he's like, he's just like, he, he's just being like, yeah, whatever. You, you're bullying me. <laughs> but like really, you know, on the inside, he's like, oh my God, if you guys knew the shit I went through. Right, and he's also decided like I'm gonna smile from now on because of what Narumi said. By the way, right. Narumi apparently is also 18. Damn, he's muscular for 18. <laughs> Eight? What? Yeah, yeah that, yeah. that kind of shocked me too. I don't believe that. It's ridiculous. That's 18. <laughs> okay, so anyways, to nobody's surprise, Shiragane, who is French. With her silver eyes and silvery white hair, is instantly super popular at school, and like she even wins over like the snobby girls, just like, bam, just like that. They can't uh, hate her; she's too perfect. Well, she's, she's too, too nice. Beautiful. Like, yeah, she's too nice don't to they hate, like yeah. try to be bitchy to her because they're pissed off that all the guys love her? Yeah, and so she's like, like, oh, like oh, no, oh my god, I bumped yeah, you back. Like, oh my god, look at her. She she doesn't like us, Becky. She's not like one of us. <laughs> But then, like, she, her suitcase rolls over her foot, and they're like, what the fuck, bitch? And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And basically, she just fucking woos them over, and they're just like, oh, in the end. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly how it went down. Uh, but, like, immediately, as soon as she sits down in the back, she, like, quickly ditches the class of spy on Masaru because she knows he is for sure being bullied. Uh, mm-hmm. But because of the bullies' jokes or uh, pranks or whatever – being little shits isn't really working on him uh one of them finally gets physical like masaru and then like the class president stands up for him who this like whole time was like denying she probably actually has feelings for him and and mm-hmm. she of course has to be a cute girl named Orie, oria or whatever whatever you want to say that yeah um and then one of the bullies eventually punches Masaru and his like bandana comes off, revealing his scars. And then he's like, You guys would have found out. And they're all like, What the hell? Where'd you get these scars? And he goes, like, You guys would have found out anyways, because next class is PE. And he just goes ahead and takes off his shirt and it shows all the scars over his arms and back and front. And the kids are just like, What the f- that is like the biggest intimidation tactic that you could do yeah Yeah, and even the bullies are like what kind of fucking shit did you go through bro god (laughs) god damn like he he will never be touched again like no one will dare to bully him right yeah (laughs) oh man yeah uh and then he like gives a little speech about narumi who is a guy 
that like never gave up and always smiled and whatnot. And then like Shiragane returns to class after she realizes, you know, he's got shit under control and she like gets scolded for like skipping on her first day. Uh, and then there's just this, it's a, it almost feels random. This scene of a guy named Shinobu getting yelled at for not paying his rent in over a year. But, but for whatever the reason, they paint the landlord as the bad guy who gets every right to be na- demanding his pay. But I'm like, yeah, he hasn't paid for a fucking year. The landlord can be shitty at this point. He can be <laughs> shitty long before this point. Pretty uh, much. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems that Shinobu is a guy trying to get like his circus off the ground or something. It's just not quite working. He's also got two other lackeys, but I'll get to that in just a quick second. I think those are his sons actually. Cause they, in the, in the credits, they have his last same last name. <laughs> okay. Okay. There's sons. And, uh, Shiragane, on the other hand, is killing at her school. She's basically perfect at everything and absolutely kills it during gym class. Cause there's this one girl who like, they're like, Hey, the, the PE teacher has her do like some acrobatics and <laughs> she, she's like, Oh, I'm so good. And, She's like, oh, look at me. I'm so popular. This is awesome. And then, like, the two girls that he wooed over earlier, they're kind of fugly. Uh, <laughs> they're like, hey, Shirigane, you do something. You'll be good. And, of course, we know what she's capable of. She just fucking crushes it. And, yeah. <laughs> she, so. like, jumps, she jumps and flips and then comes through the basketball hoop, like, her yes. entire body. So I, I was like, can someone actually fit through a fucking basketball hoop? Is that a thing? Like, I feel like maybe if you are the tiny, like, a super tiny person and you're very precise, but, like, you might get stuck, too. <laughs> I, I can think of a couple peop- couple girls who are actually small enough to fit through that. Yeah, but, so. I mean, come on. You, like, because I, I was looking up videos trying to find... Like, uh, like if someone has done this and I found this thing called the cheerleader toss where like a cheerleader tries to go through, but like she hits her head like while she's doing it. Oh, ouch. So I feel like this is, this is fake news. Like, I don't know if anyone's actually done this in real life. (laughs) Uh, so Masaru also, also his big motivation, he wants to see Shiragane smile. So he he believes and it turns out he's right that like she wants to be part of a circus which in the end she does want to do us to be in a circus because that's what she really likes so she he ends up taking her to one which is the guy we met earlier and then like his two sons come out and they do like a quick little routine they're like oh and then monster is like hey shinobu you do something and then they're just like what the fuck that's amazing uh and then Shinobu like completely agrees that she should join after witnessing her performance for a second. Uh, and there's also the three other members, which is like uh, two of the uh, his sons, and then the uh, other person he, he uh, calls sister Lizoletto, Lete, whatever Lizolote or Lizolots Lizolo- or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the two guys' names are Nori and Hiro. And then, just as we fucking called it in the last episode, the show ends with a shot in the roomie in a hospital bed and a prosthetic exactly. arm that looks just like that fucking puppet. Yeah. Yes. It was just... At- <sighs> I was sitting there the whole episode thinking like, oh, are they really going to go like the whole episode without addressing this Naromi <laughs> thing? Like, that's a ballsy nope. move. And then in the last scene, it's like, oh, no, here he is. Yeah, <laughs> no. He, he's still here. I was yeah. like, there's I've no also way seen the next he's episode. dead. 
No. Oh, yeah. Leo. It, it, I'm not saying shut. anything. It's all about him. That's it. It's all about him. That's it. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I was like, are we really doing this again? But no, I mean, I knew. I was like, I know that this bitch is not dead. And like oh, when he yeah. came so on the screen. the reason he's in this hospital with this arm like it is mm-hmm. is because. Uh, no. <laughs> You, you just no, want, you want it. You want a whooping. You, I know you do, Leo. But before before we do that, we need to cut. We need to uh, close this show out. <laughs> well, I have, I have one more thing to say. It's just, okay. just I mean, it's obvious, but like the whole dynamic of uh, uh, what's her name? Oh my god, I'm just blanking. Shiragane in the new mm-hmm. high school. It's just like uh, Sakamoto from Haven't You Heard of Sakamoto? <laughs> like, oh, she's just yes. perfect in every way. <laughs> And I love to see that. It was yeah, great. there was even a scene where they had her like reading something and they're like, Oh my god, she's perfect. She can, yeah. Is she really not a foreigner? Like or like it's ridiculous. But yeah, uh besides that, I'm she's adorable. I'm I was happy with this episode and how they showed uh, the two of them moving on without Narami, at least for a little bit before we found out he's still alive. And how that yeah, affected like they were them. still like affected, but they learned from the experience and but still managed to move on. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah. actually yeah. very progressive for like a shonen <laughs> in one yeah, episode. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this I is also- shonen, right? I'm not sure about shonen. Yeah, it's a shonen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is um I was gonna say like I also was happy that they let Shiragane have her own like wishes and needs yes. <laughs> like in this anime because like the way she puts it with uh Masaru is like I am indebted to you like I my mission is to protect you but if you if you also want me to do what I want to do I would join with these people and be in the circus and he's like all right then that's what I want and so I, I like that communication between them it's like I, I felt fair and even yeah so I didn't feel like Shiragane really wanted to be in a circus so when Masaru first took her to the circus and it's just like fucking pushing her into joining the circus. I felt like he was being like really crass about it. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if, but then you find out in the end this is something Shiragane really wanted to do even though we never I or we clearly missed the hint that she did. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, good for fixing that, I guess, because at first, like I said, I thought Master was just forcing her into this because he thought he knew what was best. And I was like, Ugh. exactly. But turn out, turns out she wants it just as badly. She wants things for herself, which is good. Right. Yeah. It is good. Yeah. Because she was getting a little uh, mindless as a character. Like, it's good seeing her develop her own personality and wants. Agreed. I actually have wants and needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And separate from just, you know, depending on Narami as well, which is good. Exactly. Get some of that codependence out. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds like it's about it. Uh, time to wrap up. So thank you for listening this week. Uh, remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts and videos. You can also find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, literally everywhere I can think of. So <laughs> if, if, if you think of another place, let me know. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at Nerdman Other for updates as well. And with that, we will see you next time. Yeah. Later, everybody. Bye.